You're listening to the Boogeyman's Closet Podcast. Explicit language and spoilers ahead. You've been warned. And we are back for yet another episode of the Boogeyman's Closet. As always, I am Mike Alvarez. Maurice Killifer. And we have two special guests joining us today. It's your boy, the Strasburg. <laughs> Hello, it's me, Tegan. I am back from the grave. Woohoo! <laughs> Welcome back to the show, you two. We are here for a very special reason. We are continuing our tradition of Friday the 13th movies on Friday the 13th. However... This is the first of the last three that do not have Friday the 13th in the title. This is Jason Goes to Hell, The Final Friday from 1993. It's an hour and 27 minutes. Directed by Adam Marcus, who did not do a lot, but uh, he did Let It Snow, Conspiracy, Fitz and Slade, Nerd Girls, and Secret Santa, which we almost had on our uh, Christmas list this year. He did the Frozen sequel? (laughs) I don't. <laughs> the, the Let It Snow. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. the third. That's the third of the trilogy. That, that, yeah, it was. The, I didn't know. I didn't know it came out yet. <laughs> nice. Well, let's go around the table and see what everyone thinks about this questionable classic. Uh, Josh, as you're our resident Jason fanboy, we're going to start with you. Hey, thanks, and thanks for having us back on the show again, guys. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I will say this movie has really grown on me a lot. Um, you know, like I a, like a fungus. <laughs> <Exactly>. Yeah. <laughs> like one of those like a uh, zombie fungi that like take over the body of insects, <laughs> which we talked about recently on Raised by Rentals. <laughs> um, no, like as a big Jason, you know, Friday the 13th fanboy, you know, when I was what, 12, 13 and first heard the movie was coming out, I was obviously so freaking excited. I couldn't believe there was going to be another one, one that I could maybe be old enough to like go see in the theater. Um, and I loved like the poster art with like the metallic uh, hockey mask and the title was even great. You know, I think Jason goes to hell is actually a really great title. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, and of course there was the, you know, the promise maybe that it was the final Friday, Uh, so there was, I feel like there was so much wrapped up and then this movie was gonna be freaking badass, man. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) But, (laughs) um, it it wasn't, I mean, that was, that was the problem. Like I remember being super disappointed, uh, and I think so disappointed as a teenager that while I never lost my love for the previous movies, you know, I, 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 I fell out, out of watching them for a long time. And I think I started watching them like less fanboy and more critic, you know, and, and kind of picking them apart. And I found mm-hmm. that I just wasn't enjoying the franchise as much until Jason X came out, which totally revitalized it for me because it was like so over the top and stupid, but yet just <laughs> classic Friday the 13th, you know, in the weirdest and the most amazing way. Um, yeah. But then it also kind of, you know, Jason X kind of proved that, hey, you can do a different type of Jason movie. And that's when, you know, watching it with you, Mike, you know, years ago, um, mm-hmm. 
that going back and watching it and trying to give this one another shot like how does this work like how does it fit you know does it make any sense like can you can and trying to figure out how the movies fit together between the end of this one and the start of Jason X, which of course, you know, later on we got the, the, the Freddy crossover to kind of make it make more sense. But yeah, I just, I, I hated this movie for so long that I couldn't understand why it was made, who greenlit it, like who the hell wrote this piece of shit, you know? And <laughs> yep. it just annoyed me so much. But now when I watch it, like we just watched it yesterday and I was trying to be critical like looking for things to comment on. And while there are a handful of things that I definitely will express my opinion on, <laughs> I'm really surprised that like, if you just watch it for what it is, then it's actually like a pretty entertaining, stupid, goofy horror movie, but like, it's a ton of fun. So yeah, I, I have completely come around on Jason goes to hell. Oh, absolutely. Well, uh, Tegan, what are your thoughts on this one? I, I've heard that they're a little controversial, so I'm I'm intrigued. Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> so I really like this movie because overall, I've i I I'm the kind of person who likes to watch like film theory and stuff on movies that I like. Mm-hmm. And there was a theory that Jason has enhanced stem cells, which which would explain his advanced regeneration. So I like the overall design of him in this movie because it's showing that his body is recovering to what it used to look like when he was a human. He has, like, hair and stuff. Yep. Um, which is a cool detail that I like because of that theory. Um, I heard a lot of people don't actually like his design in that movie, which I can see. That's fair. Um, <laughs> also, the fact that he's a deadite makes sense, perfect sense to me because as I'm a big fan of Evil Dead <laughs> and they're both in this... and. They're both in the same time period, um, around the same time, I think. And the portal was open, and it makes sense for him to be said deadite because um, he was he died, right? And the deadites are shown to possess the dead. Yep. So he just the deadite was like, "Oh, cool, a body that has a notorious legend around it. All right, this will be perfect." And they've been shown to be uh, brought into the world with lightning and and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it makes sense in that. Because he just goes around and kills people, is resurrected by lightning. And yeah, it's, it's great. I love him. <laughs> totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> so where, where does this rank in uh, as far as the franchise overall? Like, is it one of your favorites? Is it like least favorite? It's one of my favorites, actually. It's in the top five. Nice. <laughs> Which uh, I've heard is not a very uh, normal opinion. <laughs> but I just like it because it's stupid and I love deadites and they're amazing. See, but I, I love that because, you know, you always hear from, okay, so the the old fanboys like me and your father, you know, will tell you stuff like six and seven are the best. Like oh yeah, the definitely. They're, they're, <laughs> you know? are, they are the best. Right, but like that, we'll we'll get we'll get caught up on that. Like, ah, that's when Jason was good, you know. <laughs> but like, I also am that weirdo that loves part three because it's so wacky and it's so different, and it's where we get the hockey mask. Plus, I love all the kills because it's like, let's jut this out at the screen, like because it was three D. <laughs> I love that. Whereas but, I usually skip part three in my like watch throughs, and you know, if I don't have a lot of time. Right. We had to like skip for most of it because I was just I was like, "Mm, this is awkward. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But 
Josh, correct me if I'm wrong. Was it Jason Takes Manhattan or uh, Friday the 13th 5 that you also really liked? I can't remember which one it was. I, I like them both, but uh, yeah, for me, it's it's part five. I think part five is a legitimately good movie, and I don't like it because it's like dumb in the way that I like Jason mm-hmm. Goes to Hell or and even you know Jason Takes Manhattan or Jason X. Like they're corny, like they're it, they're tongue in cheek and goofy, and they're supposed to be that way. They're you know campy. They're supposed to be. Yeah. Whereas the earlier movies were really I think taking themselves a little bit more seriously and I think part 5 a new beginning falls into that where and a lot of people hate part 5 but it's one right. of my favorites it's definitely one it's in my See, top like 4 or 5 and that's what I'm getting at I feel like every Jason fanboy has that one controversial pick where they're like no I really I hold this one up in the in the upper echelons of the franchise and that makes other fans look at you cross-eyed like, wait, what? <laughs> so yeah, that's me. That, that's yeah. me. I just hand raised in the corner. Um, <laughs> I do have my grievances about this movie, and I will get to those. Oh, yeah. But I do actually do quite like this movie because it's just stupid. And I do actually want to own a Necronomicon someday. Oh. As like, a, like a prop one. I just want to have it in my room on my bookshelf. I say sh- shout out to to Omay from Count Creepyhead who has a, uh, a Necronomicon replica and man I, I want one in my collection too. Oh nice! Shut up and take my money. <laughs> exactly. Take it from me. Well, Maury, so note to self for Christmas next year. Sorry. <laughs> Let's toss it over to you, Maurice. What are your thoughts on this one? Well, I'm I'm much like uh, Josh's. Like I've always hated this movie. Mm-hmm. But in this recent watch, I didn't hate it as much. And I've actually moved Jason Takes Manhattan to my least favorite movie. Yep. <laughs> That's your least favorite. Huh? Okay. All right. Yeah. We'll, we'll have to talk later. <laughs> I mean, this, this movie, it's bad. But oh, there's yeah. there's a lot of fun parts in it that, you know, that, that make up for the the bad movie. So... There wasn't really much of that in in my opinion, Jason takes Manhattan. So mm-hmm. that that's what makes this uh well <laughs> I wanna say superior film. I, <laughs> I can't say a superior film in Jason takes or uh, yeah, uh, goes Jason to goes to hell in the same sentence. So <laughs> I don't know. I kind but, of agree with you though, because like I don't get me wrong, I like Jason Takes Manhattan, but I do think it's probably my least favorite of the bunch. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. near the bottom of my list. And and for and for years it was always this one, but yep. I, well, I don't know. Watching it c- critically kind of changed my opinion. Um, now I I did watch the extended cut, the the uncut mo- version. So mine was about four minutes more, right. which didn't really add too much. Um, but I mean, it didn't make make or break the movie. But. Well, now you watched your Blu-ray from the the Camp Crystal Lake box set, right? The, yeah. the big one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. I love that set so much. <laughs> Such a nice collection. Yeah, oh, it sure yeah. is. So that brings up a question too, because I don't know what version uh, that I have that Tegan and I both watched, because I bought it on uh, Voodoo, uh, formerly mm-hmm. Fandango, because um, they always have really good like Friday the Thirteenth like sales. So I've ended up buying most of the movies on there. Yep. Um, even though I don't really use it for much else. Uh, but yeah, so I, re- but I remember uh, commenting to Tegan when we were watching it yesterday, 
when uh when, we'll get to it but when the the lady gets killed in the tent and i'm like wait a second like i swear that death scene was way longer than i remembered like it's yep. must, gorier. Have, yeah you that was part of the uncut one yep okay cool because it, yeah. it doesn't say anything about it being uncut on voodoo it just has like the standard credits but i'm like this definitely seems like there's like they don't cut away as fast you know mm-hmm. do, do, do you remember if it showed the uh the the um spike going through her stomach yeah i totally did yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's that's young cut then that's okay the sweet version well i'm glad i bought on voodoo then they're just like, yeah. oh, yes. They're just like, oh, yes. Let's not show all of the gore, but the titties. Oh, definitely. Let's show all oh, absolutely. Of <laughs> all of that. <laughs> I mean, it's a Friday the 13th. <laughs> well, I, I was going to say it just added really more boobs and mm-hmm. a little bit more gore. <laughs> and, and, uh, and the bloody skeleton towards the end. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was great. That was a great effect. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. A little quick side note about the boobage. Uh, that particular scene. Uh, with the sex in the tent that was added after they had recorded most of the film because the producers were like, there's not enough nudity and it's a Friday the 13th movie. So they oh, added geez. that whole sequence with the campers. We're like, well, let's get a couple more body counts in here. Like, <laughs> so I thought that was hilarious. I'm like, so that they, they, they watched this bizarre supernatural Jason movie and they were like, not enough tits. Like, it's just... <laughs> Yeah, um, that that sounds like a typical '90s movie. Yeah. Director. <laughs> yeah, right. Although I will say, I, I I'm glad that they did it though, because at least we got a little bit of the movie to take place at Camp Crystal Lake. <laughs> right. Even though yeah. they, they made sure to let us know they tore down the cabins years ago, so it's not going to look anything like the Crystal Lake you remember. <laughs> yeah. Which, of course, you know, watching it critically, I'm like, oh, so this is just some random back road in like Brentwood, <laughs> California, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't even show you a lake. They just pantomimed it like, oh, there's water behind those trees over there. Oh, look, the actors are soaking wet. Yeah, they definitely went swimming. They're like, oh, we went skinny dipping and it was so cold. I I love it. They're like, we went skinny dipping wrong because we took our clothes off afterward. Right? (laughs) Yeah, that was a little confusing. Well, that's the thing I have a note in here about like, okay, so they talk about skinny dipping several times, but clearly they don't know how to because they're all still clothed. What happened? (laughs) yeah oh man but so what do you think about the music maurice i gotta ask because my personal opinion this is the worst opening music to a friday the 13th movie ever oh yeah it's it's bad it's not good (laughs) (laughs) it's it sounds like someone at one point is rubbing a balloon there's like that like that weird squeaky sound and then Mm -hmm. i don't know if you guys remember those 90s toys they were like the long tube with like the little, uh, like, I don't know, it was like a little whistle in the middle, and you would turn it upside down, and it would go like, Ew. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, I know those. And yeah. that it actually has a toy like that. That is in the music. You can hear it. I'm like, <laughs> it was driving me nuts. Let me tell that you. Was, band, that was a very good, cheap effect. As a band kid, as I was watching this, I was like, what are you doing? What right, is yeah, right. Excuse what me. What exactly is, is going on? This is an on. insult to my teachings and my entire culture. How? What is wrong with you? <laughs> and that's the thing. I'm like, I love all of the other Friday the Thirteenth music, including Part Ten. But nine, I'm like, what were you doing? <laughs> so that's why I was like, Maurice, what do you think about this? I gotta know. <laughs> I don't oh. think much of it. <laughs> but yeah, but g- going back to the movie. Uh, it's uh like I said, 
it's not good in any way, shape, or form. It's goofy. It's fun. But, you know, I, I the story for me is watching it, you know, when it came out, I was only 12 at the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there wasn't the internet to spoil anything. So you didn't hear about the ending. Yep. You know, nobody could spoil it for you. So watching that, you know, that, that was that was cool to see, you know. Yeah. Obviously, it didn't go anywhere, but until much, much uh, later on. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the thought was there. So I always thought that was cool. And, you know, the Necromonomicons in the, in the movie. So it, it um, connect, connects all three of our favorite 80s horror franchises. Correct. The first, the first time I actually watched that movie, I remember I like sat forwards in the couch and like point at the TV was like, was like, oh, my God. <laughs> 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 and, and they have to give Jessica the the Kandarian dagger at the end of the movie. <laughs> oh yeah. And see what Tegan is only now realizing is is you know we weren't watching the movies in like a totally random order. You know, <laughs> like we're, we're, over the last couple of years we've been going through and like watching old movies, and we didn't watch Friday the Thirteenth in order because I'm like I don't know if like a teenager in the 2020s is gonna like get into this when you don't even have Jason in the first basically two movies. You know, you don't have like Jason proper, the hockey mask, you know, machine wielding Jason. Like we got to skip to like a good one and then kind of cherry pick them. But then at one point I was like, no, 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 we really need to watch Evil Dead and Army of Darkness and uh, before, we watch, before we watch anything else. Like, just trust me. Just trust me. <laughs> it needs to happen. And then I ended up loving it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> now, see, now for me, uh, much like uh, Josh and Maurice, you know, I, I saw this at the time and um, I hated it. Like, I absolutely hated it <laughs> as a kid. I was pissed. I was confused why John LeMay was in this movie. Because I watched the Friday the 13th series, at, like, religiously as a kid. And yeah. even though it has nothing to do with the Friday the 13th franchise, I loved the show. I thought it was a really cool horror show. So I was used to him on that show, and then suddenly he's in this movie. And I'm like, wait a second, is there a connection? So I was very confused. Um, and then with Jason jumping bodies, I'm like, this is like that movie The Hidden. And that's another movie that I, I used to watch all the time as a kid. It's a weird sci-fi alien movie where this alien hides in people's bodies. And it even transfers from body to body the same way that, you know, Jason Demon Fetus transfers from body to body, where it's like, <laughs> just, you know, jumps out of the mouth of one person and into another. So like, like it, oh, good. some major Xenomorph vibes. Right. And that's the thing. Like, there, uh, if you guys haven't seen the movie The Hidden, it's it's not a great film, but it's a fun sci-fi horror. Um, but it came out in the 80s. So like, Seeing this in the 90s in the theater, I believe it was with my sister. I don't think my brother was there. I think it was just Sabrina. But it was very confusing <laughs> as to why it was like, okay, so this isn't Jason. It's the hidden. And then, like, the whole, like, he has to be reborn. And I'm like, what is happening? Why is this all supernatural? This isn't Jason. Like, I was very confused. But, of course, you get to the end scene and with Freddy's glove. And I was so excited. Because... I had been wanting to see Freddy versus Jason just like every other horror fanboy out there for years. And with the promise of that, I was like, well, that movie sucked, but the next one's going to be awesome. (laughs) And then you're wrong. And then then it took 10 years for me to even see it. 
Yeah, oh. but, but at first you were like, oh, this piece of shit like redeemed itself but right at the very end. Like they put, yep. they pulled it up at the end, but no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. But the funny thing is, much like all of you, like on, watching it later in life, I started to appreciate it. And it was I was somewhere in my 20s. I remember arguing actually when we were all at Denny's. I remember commenting <laughs> on this saying that it's you have to look at it almost like a remake because they're redoing the lore to the franchise. Yeah. And I kind of dug that. I, I started to enjoy that. And the more I watch it, <laughs> when I watch the franchise again, the more I find myself looking forward to watching this entry because it is so absurd. And there's so many ridiculous, hilarious moments. Like this, this movie has one of my favorite deaths in the entire franchise. And <laughs> just because it's so friggin' funny, it's, it's a blink and you miss it kill. But my God, do I laugh every time. I um, remembered something. Sorry, continue. Oh, no. all right. Uh, but yeah, overall, it, it's it's one of those movies that I know it gets shit on by a lot of people, and I think it's by the people who haven't given it a second chance years later. It's like you have to kind of digest the insanity first, and then go, okay, that the taste wasn't that bad. Let me have a second helping, you know. And then it's like you kind of start to warm up to it. <laughs> But uh, I do remember one thing, Josh, you had mentioned the poster. And as a kid, I was very intrigued, especially, you know, reading Fangoria. I, I remember seeing the, the mask, but with that weird friggin' worm coming out of it. And I was like, <laughs> what is that? Like, why? Yeah. what is that monster? <laughs> so. Well, and so and that's weird, too, because I remember even as a kid seeing the poster but being used to movie posters from the 80s and 90s where, like, the poster would be awesome, but it wouldn't necessarily be accurate to what was in the movie, right. you know? So I remember I remember just thinking it was some generic representation of evil like, or a demon from hell or something. And I didn't expect it to actually be in the movie. So when Jason turns out to be this weird, like, little, like, imp from the gate, I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> so you know what i'm just gonna ask it here i have i have a note later in, in my notes but i'm just gonna throw it out here who do you guys would th think would win in a fight jason demon fetus or freddie demon fetus from part five? Oh, jason <laughs> jason demon fetus for sure oh yeah definitely <laughs> he's got the speed <laughs> but, but freddie freddie demon fetus has that one really long arm with like three elbows <laughs> Yeah, but he moves too slow. <laughs> he can he can use it to wrap around Jason Demon Fetus like a constrictor. <laughs> so the one thing I remembered that helps back up my theory of it making sense that Jason's a deadite is because he dies in the first movie. He is already dead, and he comes back. And um, I remember hearing somewhere that Elias, his father, essentially, mm -hmm. um, it was said that he used like dark magic of some sort. So. What if you just summon the deadites? That's why the Necronomicon would be in their house. So the right. de the deadites just went and found Jason. We're like, oh, he's in the lake, perfect. Um, and then just used him for the rest of it, and that would explain why he can regenerate, all that stuff. Um, and that would also help the Voorhees theory as well. That's in part nine. Yep. Mm. The the made for the movie family. Yeah. 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 Well, because they, ne they never mentioned the name Elias until this movie. It was supposed to be brought up in part six, but it, yeah. it, it never happened. Um, but no, that's funny because there are there are the two fan theories prior to this movie coming out. 
Uh, many believed, like myself, I and I talked about this actually on previous episodes, that Jason didn't die in part one. He didn't actually drown. He washed up on, on the other, you know, the other side of the lake. Um, and he'd just been living in the woods, you know, by himself as like this crazed mountain man uh, through into adulthood and just was like, you know, crazy and murdering people because uh, yeah. we, we see him running and acting very human up until part six. You know, so it's like parts two through four. He's just like kind of a deformed human, you know, with yeah. like crazy strength and all that. Um, then he dies, obviously, in part four. You know, machete to the brain. Uh, then part five, we get the the um, we get Roy, the the imposter Jason. And then part six, you know, they bring him back, you know, uh, a la Frankenstein with the lightning. <laughs> but here's the thing is what you're talking about, Tegan, they actually did implement in the Friday the 13th video game that came out. I want to say 2014, 2015, somewhere around there. And they lean heavily into the, the lore of this film while still compiling the lore of all the other films. So I think that is the official stance of Paramount, at least while we'll find out with the new Friday the 13th or Crystal Lake series that's coming out. I'm sure they'll they'll probably do a whole new lore with that. But in the video game, Jason has Deadite powers. He can move through the forest the way the Deadites do. So you go into like that first person mode and it kind of moves through the forest like, like all quick. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He can come back to life via lightning. Like there's a lot of uh, powers that the Deadites have in the uh, in the films that they implement into that video game. So they, they teleport. Yeah, exactly. So it's like it's pretty it's pretty rad that they mixed those two together. I I, I, I do like, enjoy. Whenever I explain this theory to someone, I feel like that one meme of that guy who has like his hand against the bulletin board. Oh, Charlie. Of papers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just I feel like I'm that meme whenever I'm explaining it to someone. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like he's a Jedi because of this, this, and this. <laughs> But I also, out. <laughs> I, I also love that they included Freddy in this only because Freddy and Evil Dead have had a longstanding connection with mm-hmm. Evil Dead uh, playing on the screen or playing on uh, Nancy's television in the first Friday or Nightmare on Elm Street movie and Freddy's glove hanging in the work shed in uh, or I'm sorry, hanging in the, the fruit cellar in Evil Dead 2. So it's yeah. like having those connect that connective tissue already. When we combine all three in this movie, it was like, oh, well, of course, <laughs> you know. And then, of course, we get the Freddy versus Jason versus Ash comic book, which was just fantastic. Yeah, I feel like I feel like um, Evil Dead just kind of explains all the slashers in all of those movies because they all take I feel like if they all take place in the same connected universe, mm-hmm. it makes sense for them all to be deadites. I mean, Leatherface was a human at first. We know that. But then he died and he came back a few times. Same thing with Michael. Same thing with that would explain why Michael doesn't seem to be human anymore. Same mm-hmm. thing with Jason. Same thing with Freddy. It all makes sense. All makes sense. Uh, Josh, you might want to make note. I think I'm getting erased by Rontel's idea. Uh, <laughs> 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 <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but let's let's jump into the cast of this movie, and it is a big cast because it's a Friday the Thirteenth film. Um, but we have uh, Stephen Freeman uh, played by John DeLamay. As I mentioned, he was in the Friday the Thirteenth the series. He's also in The Twilight Zone and Highway to Heaven. We have Jessica Kimball, played by Carrie Keegan. Uh, she was in The Prince of Pennsylvania, Jerry Maguire, and Mind Games. Apparently, uh, this movie left a very bad taste in her mouth acting-wise, and she just kind of slowly got out of the field. Um, then, of course, we have Jason himself, uh, who <laughs> also was an FBI security guard, and Freddy Krueger, played by Kane Hodder. 
So Kane played the gloved hand at the end of the movie, and of course the security guard who gets killed by Jason uh, early on. But we would know him, of course, from Friday the 13th, 7, 8, and 10. Uh, the Hatchet films, all four of them. Project Metal Beast, which one of these days I'm getting on this show. It's a terrible <laughs> werewolf movie, but God, I love it. Um, House, House 2, the second story, where he plays a caveman. And then Ghoulies 3, Ghoulies Go to College. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how many years it takes you to get that on Boogeyman's Closet. <laughs> well, that might have to be a birthday pick or something. You'll be 80 years old by the time that gets on there. <laughs> We're finally covering Ghoulies 3. <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, don't forget uh, Kane Hodder's uh, most famous position as, like, the god of all slashers. Right, exactly. <laughs> but uh, we have uh, Creighton Duke, played by Stephen Williams. He was in the Twilight Zone, the movie, The First House, uh, Better Off Dead, The X-Files, Supernatural, and It Chapter One. Then we have uh, Robert Campbell, played by Stephen Culp. He was in 24, CSI, Criminal Minds, Law and Order, and Scream Queens, a lot of television stuff. Diana Kimball, played by Aaron Gray, who we would know, uh, us old timers would know uh, from Buck Rogers in the 25th century. Um, <laughs> she was also in Magnum P.I., Fantasy Island, and one of my favorite internet shows, The Guild. Um, we have Joey B., played by Rusty Schwimmer. She was in Highlander 2, Candyman, Twister, The X-Files, The Belko Experiment, another one we got to get on here, and Mr. Mercedes. Mr. Mercedes. Uh, the Coroner was played by Richard Grant. He was in Rocky Five, Seinfeld, The Big Lebowski, and The 98 Godzilla. Then Shelby, played by the late, great Leslie Jordan, who's in Ski Patrol, Dem Demonic Toys 2, American Horror Story, and Supernatural, along with every television show in the 80s. Um, we have Sheriff Landis, played by Billy Green Bush. It's funny, the whole movie I was watching this going, why do I know this guy? Where have I seen him before? Well, it just so happens... A, uh, the movie we're closing the month out with, he's in. He's in Critters. He's the dad from Critters. And you know, I, sorry, I, I had the same thought as I'm watching it, and I'm like resisting the urge to pull my phone out and look it up and like get distracted. But yeah, I had the same. I'm like, I just watched this guy in something like recently. <laughs> yes. Like, what was it? <laughs> that was me. I was the whole movie. I'm going. Why do I know this dude? And then after I finished making my notes, I, I went on IMDb to pull up the actor list, and I'm like, that's why I know that friggin' guy. <laughs> But he was also in a lot of television stuff like MASH, Gunsmoke, The Incredible Hulk, The A-Team, The Hitchhiker, tons of stuff. There's a bunch more people in this film, uh, but they were either only in like one or two things or like a music video, stuff like that. So I didn't write them down. But the plot for anyone who has not seen this and doesn't understand our, our 30 minutes of rambling th thus far... <laughs> Um, Jason is back yet again and now is able to pass his demonic soul into the bodies of his victims. The past, uh, the past of the Warhees family is revealed in this not so final Friday. So <clears throat> we open with what is quite possibly the single best opening to a Friday the 13th film ever. Fight me. <laughs> it is. No, my I will favorite. not fight you. I will stand at your side. <laughs> <laughs> we, we see Crystal Lake, uh, Crystal Lake at dusk and the car is approaching. It's a young woman making her way to a cabin. Now, we get several tropes here. She goes inside. The light burns out. She goes to get a new bulb from the work shed, and the door slams to just give us a, a nice little jump scare. She then goes to take a shower, and not only do we get boobs, but we get the infamous, fa the infamous butt-in-the-moonlight shot. 
<laughs> yeah, and don't forget too that she, there was those fake outs where the camera kept focusing on the mirror for like a half a frame before yep. she looked in it. Where mm-hmm. you're like, oh, Jason's gonna be in the mirror. Oh, never mind. Oh, Jason's gonna be in the mirror. Oh, never mind. Yep. The amount of the amount of times I just sit there like, oh, oh. Yep. <laughs> During the entire scene. I love this opening for that because they even do that with the door. Like there's, they're, they're focusing past her on the door to the shed before it slams. And it's like, Oh shit, is Jason out there? Oh wait, no, it was, it was the wind, you know? So, so far everything is perfect. While she's showering, the lights go out. She gets out of the shower and wraps a magic towel around herself. (laughs) This is the most magic towel in all of filmdom. Listen, let me tell you, I can't walk in the bathroom to my own bedroom without that thing starting to unfall. What right? Kind of super glue did she use to keep this in place? That's the th- she go. I love it because she goes out onto the balcony of the the second floor loft, and she looks to her left. Nothing's there. She looks to her right. There's nothing there. Which the, at the right is where the stairs are. She then looks back to her left, and suddenly Jason is standing there. <laughs> Like there was, he wasn't there a second ago and there's like, it's like a dead end. There's nowhere for him to come from. So he had to teleport. He's, he freaking teleports throughout this opening. Uh, well, more did I more did yep. I poop. <laughs> Just lots of, lots of like diversions. Cause you'll get to it, but like in a minute when she's looking around and then suddenly there's like, you know, s- spotlights and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like in the, and I'm like, she just looked around and the camera spun at least a 180, if not more. And there was yep. not one freaking searchlight to be seen. So come on. Oh, they, they, <laughs> there are tons of that in this opening. Cause like, so Jason takes a swing at her. She falls over the balcony, crashes through a fucking table. Towel still firmly in place. Gets up, runs out the front door like full bore running, leaps over her car, towel still firmly in place. Let me tell you, that towel would be slid right off of that car hood. Titties in full light for everyone to see. Exactly. So, like, that that shit was glued on. Like, Can I have those towels, please? Right. Can I have one? (laughs) So she goes bolting into the woods. Jason is walking after her, as he's apt to do. She's jumping over bushes. She's falling, rolling downhill. Again, the whole time, towel in place. She finally gets to a clearing, looks around, and we see her look around, as Josh just said. Nothing is there. No one is there. Suddenly, Jason is there. <laughs> and I love it. And so she screams, and suddenly floodlights turn on from all around the clearing. She runs out of the way. SWAT guys jump up from the bushes. They're repelling from the trees. And just start lighting him up with gunfire. Now, question. They're surrounding him in a circle. If they miss, they're killing each other. Because <laughs> they're all just shooting at him yeah. in the center. We see all those <laughs> bullets, like, ding off the machete, too. Where are, theirs, where are those going? Right, where's the dead FBI guys? Because someone got shot. Yeah, and, I, and I love, too, uh, when, when, the, when the female agent in the magic towel, when, when she runs out, she does this, like, crazy gymnastics, like, yes. tumble over the top of the dude who's just, like, waiting for her. Like, that's his cue. Like, like some girl's going to come jump over you and do, like, a perfect somersault. And that's the cue to stand up and kill Jason. I'd be like, <laughs> wait, who wrote this mission brief? Like, I, I, need, to, I need to go over this again. Like, I'm going to do what now? I'm going to hide under a black sheet in the woods and wait for a gymnast to somersault over me and then shoot Jason to pieces like really (laughs) (laughs) that that is what they should have covered in the tops comic book how they came up with this plan right we need a rogue one prequel that's what we need (laughs) we really do he's just bro jason's just teleporting after the agent like 
Alright, gotta do gotta do walking, do my thing. Crap, she's too far away. Oh, now I'm too now I'm too close to her. Uh, well, uh, uh, let's just kill her anyways. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but the whole time he's getting shot, he's grunting and whimpering. Something we almost never hear in the movies. Uh, af- well, actually, I should say something we never hear after he becomes a zombie. Because in the in the first several movies, like, yeah, he grunts. He makes a little bit of noise when he gets hurt. But he's human. Once he's no yeah. longer human, like, you never hear him make a peep. And this time, yeah. he's like, Aah. Yeah, why is he making all this damn noise? <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm ridiculous. But see, now. nerves regenerated. Ah, maybe. But see, now, here's the thing. As much as I find the grunting and whimpering ridiculous, this next part is even more ridiculous. Because the little dude who jumped out from under the sheet just goes, incoming! And they fucking hit him with a missile. From where? No, 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 no. They don't hit him with a missile. He says incoming. They light a firecracker off behind him that's like, you know, (laughs) to dazzle the camera. Jason, like, looks around all confused. Like, wait, what's going on? What's going on? And then he looks up in the sky and then randomly explodes. Like, there was was no missile. It was like a Roman candle. (laughs) You, You even hear, though, the... It's like, did did they have air support? Like, what happened? I know, right? Like, who shot it? Where did it come from? How did they know it was incoming? Like, where's the radio operator? Like, I have questions. Oh my god! The only logic I can think of is grenade. Well, and that's that's with a question mark. That's what I always thought happened, and then I'm watching it critically, and I'm like, no, no, they show the aerial shot. They something comes from above. Who shot yeah. that missile? It came from a satellite. <laughs> <laughs> they friggin' pulled a, a cobra and fired it down from space. Alien invaders. <laughs> but Jason explodes, the men cheer, and then we get the the ominous Creighton Duke watching from the forest, and he goes, I don't think so. And then fades <laughs> away into the shadows as the men celebrate. We zoom in on Jason's still beating heart until it slows and stops beating. Title card, <laughs> the opening credits, intercut with the coroner doing Jason, the coroner doing Jason's autopsy. Now this is interesting because uh, it's the fir- one of the first times we actually get a location because it says Federal Morgue, Youngstown, Ohio. So he was transferred to Ohio for this. Uh, oh, no, the- not Ohio. Oh, I know, man. right? I was gonna, <laughs> as soon as I saw that, I was like, "Oh, the memes, the memes." <laughs> <laughs> but the coroner is recording his findings as he examines the pieces of Jason. And I love that he says, in my professional opinion, this guy's deader than shit. And he goes, <laughs> strike that last comment from the record. <laughs> Every time I laugh. I love this actor, too. This is another one where I kept watching it. I'm like, where do I know this guy from? And yeah, and after I after it was over, I looked it up and I'm like, yeah, fucking Rocky Five. He plays yep. the boxing promoter. Uh, and it's just like, I love his line at the end right before, uh, like, uh, Stallone punches him because he's like, "Touch me and I'll sue. Touch yep. me and I'll sue." So the whole time I'm watching this scene, or the the second time, like thinking about it, going like, "Touch me and I'll sue. Touch me and I'll sue." <laughs> the fucking well, Jason. And you know, it icks oh, me uh, about this entire coroner scene is whether they bring food in there oh, and they like had... drink. I'm like, what is wrong with you? Do you oh, yeah. know where he's been? Do you know where his body has been? That's he's been in a lake. That's in every eighties. What is wrong with you? That is totally a a horror movie film trope where it's like, have the coroner eating. Um, Which is funny because I've I've known several coroners throughout my career working at the hospital, and and that's not a thing. 
<laughs> but, you know, that's a movie thing. That's just how you die. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I do have to say, uh, the guy who, who played this corner, he actually originally auditioned for Creighton Duke. So he was almost Creighton Duke before uh, Stephen Williams won it out. But um, so eventually he gets to the heart. He comments on how it's twice the size of a regular human heart. It's malformed and filled with a black viscous fluid instead of blood. He pokes at it. It begins beating, which causes him to look at it like a confused dog. And then he decides, fuck it, and eats it for plot reasons. <laughs> Tasty. We've got some Hannibal Lecter over here. <laughs> I love how he starts spitting up blood and growl- like growling like a monster as spoopy orange lights fly from Jason's corpse into the coroner's body. He's like, Bruh! Like, and this what? is when the movie jumps the shark really, really early on. Just It just goes for that shark leap. <laughs> and the credits aren't even done rolling yet. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is during the opening credits. And, and of course, this was uh, George R. R. Martin's inspiration for having Daenerys Targaryen eat a horse heart, which was so <laughs> fucking disgusting when they did it on Game of Thrones. And the, but again, when I'm watching it, going like, "No, no, she's gonna be Jason. The Dragon Queen is Jason." <laughs> <laughs> they didn't jump the shark; they jumped the megalodon. Right? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> and I, I'm pretty sure most, uh, you know, most horror movie fans in 1993 would would agree with that statement. <laughs> but once once the assistant... I'm sorry. Cut, cut out to the hallway where we see the assistant coroner coming back to the morgue with a pizza. I love how when he gets patted down by Kane Hodder, he just starts giggling. And I mm-hmm. always question, like, was that improv? Like, did he... Was, was that meant to happen? Or did he just be real? Is he really ticklish? Because, like, Kane is smirking in the background. So, like, <laughs> they look genuine. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I feel like they actually tickled him. But <laughs> they're like, could you go? But, well, fun fact, that guy's one of the screenwriters. Yep. Yeah, he's... Oh, uh, cool. He has one of the best scenes. Like, the, I mean, he he definitely gave himself a great scene. Yeah. <laughs> once once he gets back into the room, uh, or back in, into the, the morgue... <laughs> Pardon me. I love how he comments to the quarter. He goes, what an amazing opportunity we have. How many other people can say that they can say they've been able to say whatever they want to Jason Voorhees? And he goes, hey, fuck. How you doing, you badass maggoty blown up fuck? (laughs) Then he flips (laughs) off and goes, suck this. Suck it. (laughs) And he goes, you know what I'd like to do? I'd like to take a crap right on your fucking mask. A big old mango size crap. (laughs) Then the quarter walks over with a probe and he goes yes that's a probe <laughs> I, love, I love anytime Jason possesses someone and anyone says anything bad about him he just turned around and is like excuse me I am right here how dare you and then kills them <laughs> and again it's a great kill because he slams his face on the on the uh, the medical slab and just stabs him in the back of the head with the probe it's like ooh nice okay but <laughs> so he's dead the coroner walks by a mirror and we get the, the a bit uh, a bit of the Voorhees magic because we see Jason's reflection in the mirror. And it's like, again, it doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, why is he fully dressed like, you know, Jason and the reflection? Like, are his clothes and hockey mask part of his body at this point? Like, it doesn't make any damn sense. I no, this, is one, this is one of those things that they the filmmakers do because they don't. I mentioned this on previous episodes when like they don't trust the audience to be smart enough to understand what's going on. So they have to point a big like giant neon sign at it like this guy's Jason. This guy's Jason. Pay attention (laughs) in case you didn't know. 
Like, like, if uh, you look at, like if you look at Jason's head when the coroner picks it up, you can see the skin is kind of growing over it. So I feel like it was just kind of embedded into his face now. But I'm not sure. I I have to agree with Dad about the clothes part, though. Yeah. I mean, at, at the same time, though, um, you know, with, with, with when he's reborn, he's reborn in the same outfit. And it's like, that wasn't your original art outfit. What the hell? <laughs> so I don't know. But also, uh, this is the only Friday the 13th where we don't see Jason's unmasked face. So just wanted to throw oh, that out there. Oh, yeah. Yep. Because even in Jason X, we get a brief look at it. Yeah. Um, but so <laughs> Jason coroner goes to leave and Kane and the other guard ask him, what's the verdict? Jason going to be getting around or getting up and walking around anytime soon. And they kind of laugh and he goes, we really nailed that fucker. He wasn't nothing but a big old pussy anyway. Smash <laughs> cut. Smash cut to American case file showing footage of the two guards dead. <laughs> <laughs> I love the sass. Anytime Jason like turns around, he's like, "I am right here." Excuse you. That just kills him. <laughs> the American Case Files opening music is one is is another example of of my hate of the music in this movie because it opens up. It's like bah, bah, da, da. it's like ah, oh, that's so annoying sounding. <laughs> yeah, and this is another one in the, the long uh, stream of movies from the eighties and nineties where. The filmmakers just didn't care about reality. They wanted to get the story across. So, of course, there are dead bodies just on, like, the 6 o'clock news, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, no, that, that would never happen. They would never show dead bodies and, like, blood splatter on the news, like, the day after it happened. Like, are you kidding? <laughs> but, like, the audience has the to old, see it. Imagine all the old grandpas that just have it on their TV and then the grandkid walks in and sees that. That's exactly. a star child for you. Mm-hmm. Also, the very, like... um Oh, what's the word? Um, I'm just going to use stereotypical, like, red stamp that they use for all the words. <laughs> oh, God, yeah, they just, like, you know, two, two, or two guards, dead, gagung. <laughs> One coroner, dead, gagung. One coroner, missing. Victims of a, of, a, of a killer only thought to be dead? You decide. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> Very cheesy. So they, they, the show goes on to question whether or not Jason is truly dead. They give us a bit of Jason's backstory. And uh, I, 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 like I said at the top of the show, I'm pretty sure this is the only movie that mentions Jason's father by name, Elias. Uh, could be wrong, but I'm, I'm almost positive that's the only one. So the host then goes on to tell us about Creighton Duke, a bounty hunter who's captured six of the country's worst serial killers. We then cut to an interview with him. <laughs> I fucking love this part. So he tells Creighton Duke, I'm going to say two words to you, Mr. Duke, and I want you to say the first thing that comes to mind, okay? He goes, okay. He goes, you ready? He goes, shoot. Jason Voorhees. Well, that makes me think of a little girl in a pretty pink dress sticking a hot dog through a donut. What? (laughs) (laughs) This is one of those lines that has just burned its way into my memory. Like, I have forgotten stuff about math, but I remember this line perfectly. (laughs) Like, what did that have to do with anything? Well, this is just the start of literally every single scene with Creighton Duke in the entire movie where nothing that he does makes any lick of sense whatsoever. Like nothing, nothing that he says, nothing that he does, like his backstory, like this character is so ridiculous that I don't think, I don't think he says one word that he means like, (laughs) Creighton Duke is one of the problems I have with this movie. Like if you explained that he's had to deal with the supernatural when he was like a kid or something. Yeah. Maybe. I could get, th- I could see why he would know about that now, but like, 
he is the main problem. He has no background, no mm-hmm. like ex- explanation for why he knows any of this. Why does his knife turn into the dagger at that one point? Like, what did he do to that knife? Right. Um, There's and so like, many questions. Yeah. Also, why is he unnecessarily rude to all the people in this movie? <laughs> like, you didn't have to be this rude. Like, come on now. Um, he's, he's a very <laughs> spiteful guy. Well, and, and that's the thing. There, there is a line later in the movie that, well, it, we most people just kind of ignore it because everything Creighton says, as, as Josh said, is is ridiculous. But there's a line in the movie later when he attacks Jason, where he goes, "Remember me? No, nobody remembers you. You have not been in any of the previous films, and you have had nothing to do with Jason throughout this entire movie." However, there was apparently a whole cut sequence where we find out that Jason killed Creighton Duke's girlfriend and he became obsessed with hunting down Jason. If they had have included that five-minute scene, yeah. then all of this would have made sense. So why, why oh don't they just start God. the movie like that? Thank you. Exactly. Yeah. Or like at, at any point while Creighton Duke is just like incoherently rambling, maybe he could have mentioned it. You know? right. Give us a little flashback sequence. But yeah, it's, I, I love, I both love and hate Creighton Duke. I love him because he's so ridiculous and has some of the most hilarious lines in this movie. But I hate him because he has no place in this movie. <laughs> like, it doesn't make sense. But Duke goes on to explain to Campbell and to the viewer that Jason Voorhees, the true Jason Voorhees, isn't the body he's in. He can wear people like suits. There's only one way to truly kill Jason, and Duke is the only one that knows how. And for 500 grand, he'll do it. And I do like it. He does. There is a Jaws reference here because he's like, for that, you get the hockey mask, the machete, the whole damn thing. And if you guys remember Quint mm-hmm. and Jaws, you know, what did he say? You get the, oh, he said, what, you get the teeth, the fin, the whole damn thing. I forget yeah, exactly. Yeah, what he said, so something but like it, that. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a Jaws reference. But Campbell goes on to say that since, since the interview, there have been five more murders leading, leading on a direct path from the morgue to Crystal Lake. So he's putting up the money for Duke to take Jason out once and for all. Cut to Diane Kimball watching American Case File while she's at work at Joey B's Diner in Crystal Lake. I absolutely love the family that owns this diner. Like, they're one of my favorite things about this movie. Definitely. <laughs> Joey and Leslie Jordan are amazing. Oh my god, I love... <laughs> and their, their son Ward was just like, oh, come on, Ma! <laughs> like, we What's see- funny is that their family actually kind of reminds me of some of my friends' families, <laughs> which makes this even better for me. That's amazing. <laughs> like, my my friend's um, mom is almost, is very similar to the lady who owns the restaurant, except she's nicer. <laughs> she, she's not being like, who is this fucking little ray of sunshine? <laughs> exactly. You know, she's a bit nicer, but it's still really funny. <laughs> I do love, like, we we pan out and we see all the hockey masks and the Jason Burger two-for-one sale. And, you know, Diana's like, this is sick. And she's like, it's not sick. It's, you know, it's what is it? that's business. She's like, people are going to want to see Jason's hometown and they're going to come with appetites. And then we see Ward in the background. He's like, Ma, do you really want me to cut these burgers like this? She goes, yeah. He goes, they look stupid. <laughs> and she comes back and shows him how to cut the hockey mask burgers. And this way you take the meat from... The, the, the holes you cut in the burger and make another patty out of it. Hence the two for one patty. Um, <laughs> I love it. Cause Leslie's like, I love this woman. Hold me back. And he just jumps on her. <laughs> like 
<laughs> she just touched raw meat. <laughs> you want to you wanna kiss her? Also, she didn't wash her hands before she touched that. I also well, love... I, I don't, I don't, I don't think people like that really care about hygiene. No. Yeah, I know, but it still irks me. I, I also love how they flip the script of the traditional, like, the, the comedy husband and wife duo in, like, sitcoms and television has always been the fat, dopey, loudmouth guy with the short, you know, like, slender wife. And they flip the mm. script where we got the fat, dopey, loudmouth wife with the short, little, lovey-dovey husband. And I love it because he jumps on her and she, like, swings him off his feet and kisses him. <laughs> like, it's, it's such a fun, like, change-up to the stereotype. But <laughs> Diana goes to take the order of a customer that happens to be Creighton Duke. He immediately starts telling Diana what for, about how he's going to kill Jason and she's going to help him. She wants nothing to do with him. Sheriff Landis, Diana's boyfriend, comes running over to see what the hell's going on. And, of course, Creighton Duke has to tell him off because reasons. <laughs> Sheriff goes, come on, get up. He goes, why don't you blow me, chief? Right after your girlfriend there gets through. He goes, that's my lady you're talking about. He goes, well, now she's only your lady because she ain't had a taste of the Duke yet. The sound, <laughs> the, sound the sheriff makes cracks me up because he goes like, <laughs> like he gets so angry. <laughs> I, I had to rewind well, he's, it twice. He, he, you know why he's angry? <laughs> why is that? Because he has a taste of the Duke. Landis <laughs> <laughs> is a bit jealous. <laughs> the entire time I was watching this, I'm just like, why is he being so rude to this poor lady? She just wants to take his order and go home. Stop telling Aaron Gray what for. I like her. <laughs> <laughs> but Diana tells off Landis and, or I'm sorry, uh, Landis tells him to get out of town. When he refuses to oblige, they arrest him. Before the cops haul him off, he tells Diana that Jason is coming for her and her daughter. He's like, lock your doors. Like, that's going to stop Jason. <laughs> <laughs> Diana tells off Landis and, and he leaves. Now, quick, quick side note. In the comic book, Duke doesn't get arrested here. He just gets told off and thrown out of the diner. He gets arrested because he steals Diana's body from the morgue later in the in the story, because uh. he's, try, he's trying to hide the body from Jason, and I'm and then that, that's where he gets arrested because he's trying to steal the body from the morgue. <laughs> but so he gets arrested for this. Um, now <laughs> she sits down. Uh, sits down next to our main character at this point after she tells off Landis. This twenty four minutes into the movie, and we're just now meeting our main character, Stephen Freeman. Um, we find out that Stephen and Diana's daughter, Jessica, were together, but not anymore. She tells Stephen that there's something he needs to know about Jessica and to meet her at her place later that night so she can explain things. Cut to Stephen later that night on his way to Diana's place where he comes, comes across some fodder, or rather hitchhikers, on the side of the road. He <laughs> decides to pick them up because, you know, it's a horror movie. Right. They're Nothing on their... suspicious about that at all. Totally oh. not axe murderers. Well, and I love the way he acts because they, they pick him up and these they're like, where are you headed? They're like Camp Crystal Lake. And he goes, oh, going to or plan on smoking some dope, having some premarital sex and getting murdered. Mm. <laughs> and they stop and look at him. He's like, I'm kidding. It's Crystal Lake levity. And they're like, oh, he's like, so what are you doing? He goes, we're planning on smoking a little dope, having some premarital sex and not getting murdered or slaughtered. <laughs> <laughs> I love how in every horror movie like this. There's always the couple with the third wheel. Like, there's always that one awkward friend that is just like, I guess I'm just going to sit outside the tent while you guys do stuff. This and she, was, 
Well, I'm she was trying. She, she was trying to get in the Stevens fans. Well, that's the thing. Like she again, no regard for her safety. She was just like, I know I just met you, but come on, go skinny dipping with us. It's crazy. She wanted to do, she wanted to do something else, right? Yeah, she knew she was the third wheel, and she was like, "Come on, I'm bored and lonely." Right. <laughs> I'll so, take anything I'm the third if this. Wheel to all of my friends. <laughs> I'm just there. <laughs> But now, see, Stephen turns her down, of course, and takes off. And he dro- drops him off uh, uh, drops him off at Camp Crystal Lake, tells them, oh, it looks different. The cabins have all been torn down. But here it is. <laughs> more, more for the viewer than for them. So some time passes. We see the campers clearly don't know how to go skinny dipping, as I said, because they run back to the campfire and then get naked. I was like, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> and their clothes are what? Right. So the couple takes the tent, leave their friend to sleep under the stars. Um, We now see coroner Jason watching them from the woods. Third wheel goes off to take a leak by herself. And boom, coroner Jason gets her with, I don't know, some kind of tiny knife. I don't know if it was a scalpel. I think it was a scalpel. He slashes the shit out of her face. And I I know Maurice, I mentioned this on Puppet Master too. It reminded me of the blade kill where he was just slashing Wanda's face all up. I was like, yeah, Mm -hmm. what a way to go. Death by a thousand paper cuts. Now, now in the uh, uncut version, you get to see her face get slashed a little bit more. Mm. That was one of the, you know, like I said, it was just stuff like that. Yeah, yeah I, I definitely noticed it. Well, I immediately recognized it, I should say, that it was a scalpel this time. And I don't know mm. that I would have remembered it last time. So, yeah, I think giving credit to, like, the, the added gore from the extended version, it just it made it more clear as to what it was. Mm-hmm. Right. So, bye-bye third wheel. She did. Uh, Back in the tent, the two are getting all hot and heavy. And he asks if she's ready for Tony the Wonder Llama. (laughs) Oh, jeez. That that even made me cringe. (laughs) Mike, you're telling me you've never used that line. I have never used that line, (laughs) nor will I ever use that line. (laughs) I call call bullshit. (laughs) I I'm pretty sure that's an instant no to any kind of hibbity dibbity <laughs> if you say something like that. Also, he doesn't. He makes it very known he doesn't want to wear a condom. So I have I have a little PSA in here written. It's like here's a PSA from your friends at the Boogeyman's Closet. If you should find yourself in a sexual situation with anyone that refers to themselves as Tony the Wonder Llama, just don't have sex with them. It's that simple. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. just don't just don't do it. But if you really can't help yourself for for the love of all things holy. Please use a condom because we don't need little wonder llamas running around. That's right. not okay. That's a horror movie trope that I can never understand. Wear the freaking condom. Right. It's there for a reason. Do you want chlamydia? And it's like, Look okay. Look at these people. They went skinny dipping in a lake. Who knows like, what's in there? I get the symbolism, too. <laughs> like, I understand. They're like, oh, they're not practicing safe sex, so they gotta die. Like, I get it. I just hate Llama Boy. <laughs> like, he annoys me. <laughs> and so while they're getting it on, uh, Jason rams a tent pole through the tent and through the chick and just rips her in half. And it's a pretty gnarly death scene because it's like yeah. outer belly and then like up through her shoulder. Now, if you watch the uncut version, you can actually see it go through her back uh, out the, out of her stomach. Yeah. Yeah, it's, that's, that's, that's so it, it made me realize that, it too. And then you slow it down, you can like follow it as it like cuts all the way up. Like you can watch yep. it cut cut the whole uh, the whole dummy. It was real I, nice. I can't remember if it was on 
like an extras DVD or if it was on the Camp Crystal Lake memories somewhere, some, I remember seeing footage of the actual dummy prop and like how they, like how it held together and then like how it would split apart, like how it would hinge open. It's a cool prop. So yeah, but I, I definitely uh, say uh, you could definitely tell it was a prop though. Oh yeah, I mean that's yeah. that's one of the reasons why they cut away so quick. Yeah. <laughs> also, Jason's absolute disregard for sleeping bags and all of these movies is will never cease to amuse me. He just <laughs> yep. like steps on it like, oh, here we go again. Whenever he leaves, <laughs> screw your sleeping bag. Just start stomping on it. <laughs> but, so you know, uh, Llama Boy starts screaming when he gets spattered with blood. Then we pan out, we hear him scream, and we see angry coroner Jason walk away covered in blood. Mama Boy has only been there for 10 minutes, but he has uh, sparked the anger of every Jason fanboy for a thousand miles. Yep. <laughs> and now, again, I, I know I'm getting into the trivia throughout the movie, but another little trivia note that I just found kind of interesting is apparently those two actors that did that scene together used to date like they were a couple. Oh. Oh, and, no. But oh, they had no. just mm. recently broken up before they got hired for the movie. So they were talking about like how awkward it was to film that because it was like, uh, this is weird. Like, we don't really <laughs> get along anymore. So I just thought that was kind of funny. That's awesome. But uh, back at Joey B's diner, we see Diana getting ready to leave for the night. We see Coroner Jason watching her from the shadows. And then, bam, Officer Josh jump scare. Because <laughs> you gotta have those. The two laugh it off. He tries to uh, he tries to tell her to give Landis another chance, saying that he's hard headed, but he really does care about her. She agrees, and then she heads off. Uh, you know, she she heads off home. Meanwhile, uh, Edna, Josh's well, I thought girlfriend, but find out in the comic books that it's his his uh, you know uh, mistress that he's having an affair mm. with. <laughs> um, she pulls up and tells him that she only has a little time before before league bowling, so they have to get on with the hibbity-dibbity. She's like, get in! They changed the time to 10 o'clock! <laughs> this couple reminds me of uh, the couple from Billy and the Waitress from yes! Friday, Friday the 13th Part 5, right? Which is a really it, a great scene. It, it, it also feels very much like pointless fodder, just kill some random people in a parking lot. Yeah, and I, I, I yep. love this scene because it de definitely feels like a throwback. I'll be honest, I was getting confused because I immediately thought of that scene, and I was like, doesn't, doesn't he pick up a waitress and doesn't she, like, flash the camera saying it's showtime? And then I was like, oh, wait, no, that's another Friday the 13th movie. <laughs> Something yeah, exactly. that immediately gave this movie um, bonus points for me was that the dog never died. Why do it's all the true. dogs have to die in the horror movies? Just let it yep. live. What do that, they that, ever do? That's an ongoing complaint on this show. We always say you don't kill the dog. Like, But it lived in this one. <laughs> right. But that's and it appeared like, at the end. Like, humans are fair game, but don't kill the dog. <laughs> Please. It was just doing its job being loyal right but i i love this kill it's so dumb but like they're getting in the car and for whatever reason edna doesn't get in the car she just kind of stands there looking in at josh and then corner jason runs up grabs the door and squashes her head in the door <laughs> and it just like bounces back because it's clearly a rubber head yeah <laughs> oh, i think that's supposed so... to be a snap neck but like mm. Oh, it was like right up on her skull, though. I loved it. I, I laughed so hard. So, you know, we, we smash cut to corner Jason with naked Josh strapped to a table in the <laughs> Voorhees house. It's it's friggin huge. Can we just comment on how big the Voorhees house is? 
Right. And they, they do mention about how, like, you know, Pamela and Elias, like, they never name Elias by name, but how Pamela and Jason's father, you know, had, like, a troubled marriage and he was an alcoholic and all that. What did he do for a living? Because we know she worked as a cook at the camp. So right. how did they afford that house? Also, why is there a birthing t- birthing table in their house? <laughs> right? Like this man is on. Why is that in there? Like, and why is he naked? Like, why yeah. did Jason have to strip him down to shave also, his face? Also, why is he just staring at him more sharper than I'm? Like, yeah, I'm gonna get you. Better look out! I'm gonna get you. Oh, never mind. I didn't. It's so weird. But yeah, he <laughs> shaves. As we mentioned, he shaves Josh. And then transfers baby demon Jason Fetus into the into his mouth. <laughs> Cut to Diana arriving at home that night and getting a call from her daughter, Jessica. We find out that she's seeing someone new, Robert Campbell from American Case File, and they're coming to visit soon. Diana tries to tell Jessica that Steven still asks about her. Jessica is none too pleased about this and has no intentions of fixing things between them. We find out that Steven is the father of Jessica's baby. This is where the audience finds out. Um, before they get off the phone, Jason Josh sneaks up behind her and grabs her. <laughs> Jessica hears the struggle over the phone before it gets hung up. Now, a few things happen here. While Diana struggles with Jason Josh, she sees his reflection in the mirror and realizes what's happening. Jessica calls Sheriff Landis in hopes to try to get someone to go over and check on her mom because she's worried after the way the phone call just hung up. Uh, Jason tries to transfer the demon fetus into Diana, but she shoots him in the head. But that ain't going to stop him. He keeps on coming. (laughs) Steven arrives, tackles Jason off of Diana. Jason gets a knife, flings it into Diana's back, mortally wounding her. Josh attacks Steven. He dekes him out. Jason sees his reflection in the mirror, which confuses him for some reason. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I don't understand why, because it's like, isn't he just Jason at this point? Like, why is he like, oh, I don't look like that. Maybe he's just, like, shocked that that's what he actually looks like. He's like, ugh. I'm maybe. maybe. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe we're seeing Jason, but he's seeing what his his body is at the current time. Oh, you know what? I like oh, that theory. Yeah. I, I like that. Because I was thinking, like, what is it like when a kitten sees its reflection for the first time and it freaks out? Like, what the <laughs> hell's going on? Also, why does she have a gun in the drawer? Is it just because it was the 90s? Or, like, was that normal? <laughs> I, I'm going to say because Crystal Lake. <laughs> They're probably like, yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. I, I live here. Too many people die. I'm keeping a gun. <laughs> but yeah, fair. Steven seizes his chance and stabs Jason in the back with a fire poker, sending him, sending him out the window and to the ground below. Steven tries to talk to Diana. She tells him, you saw him. You know who he is. You have to save Jessica and the... And then she's like, bleh, and just dies. She dies right as Landis comes in and sees Steven covered in blood. Steven tries to tell Landis about Jason Josh, but but just like all the great slashers before him, they look out the window and he's gone. Because, you know, he has to be. So Steven (laughs) looks like the murderer and is arrested. And this is where Act 1 ends. What are you guys thinking at this point? It's a lot of, like, just trust me. Go along (laughs) with it from the directors. Um, Also... Like, why did she have to repeat her entire sentence before she died? Couldn't she just go, go and say, save Jessica and the, and he goes, what, what? And, he go, and then she goes, the baby. Like, right. She didn't have to repeat her entire sentence. Like, I think you could have gotten the idea. Exactly. Uh, I mean, overall, I'm enjoying, enjoying the ride at this point. But like I said, you know, at the top of the film, 
the entire film just makes me want to watch The Hidden because I'm like, it's <laughs> so much like that movie. But what about yeah. you guys? Yeah, I, I, I'm definitely enjoying it at this point. I def- it jumped the shark pretty hard way back in the credits when the corner, <laughs> you know, ate the heart. But if you just go with the premise here, right? Set aside the fact that we're expecting a hockey mask, machete wielding Jason, and that's not what you get, but just embrace the fact that, okay, I'm going to go along for the ride. Like show me something so far with the couple of exceptions of like, why the hell was Josh naked and shaved? But like (laughs) for the most part, it's like, okay, there's a story here. We're building to something. Like, I'm going to go along with it. And they do a pretty good job, too, of, like, just getting to the good stuff. Like, this movie is not slow, which I really appreciate. Because some of the other movies in the franchise take 40 minutes for anything to freaking happen, right? So this one really just gets it to the good stuff pretty good uh, or pretty fast. So, so far, I'm on board. We'll see if they stick the they stick the landing. I like the gore in this movie. Also, the fact that we get to see Jason full body parts, like, was really cool yeah i will say that like with the blown up pieces of jason like that was pretty freaking rad yeah. <laughs> like, the fact see- that he was still steaming <laughs> yeah it's like that was cool he was putting a pressure cooker instead of a body bag right Maurice, what, <laughs> what about you what are you thinking at this point uh i'm enjoying it so far any big complaints the acting's not so great <laughs> <laughs> that's probably my biggest complaint but other than that it's a fun ride so far definitely so we kick off act two where we smash cut to the police station and we see officer Randy telling him about, or telling Steven uh, that he doesn't believe he murdered anyone and that they're going to figure this all out. Now there's a weird time jump and this bothers me every time I watch the movie. So we see that happened at night. Like we see, you know, we know it was uh, after 11 because Steven was told to come to Diana's house after 11. So this whole thing happened the night before. We cut to Jessica arriving at her mom's house in the morning. Uh, But we cut back to the police station and Steven is just now being brought out of the questioning room into a holding cell. So did they question him for like 10 hours? (laughs) How how does the time work in this scene? And why is he still wearing blood-soaked clothes? Like, he's covered in blood. Also, why is Vicky cleaning the floor instead of, like, the professional cleaning team? Was that just so we could meet a new character? I think so. Turning to be a badass lady. Yep. I I love her transformation because it's like she's she seems so lame. And then you were like, oh, shit. No, she she she's taking on Jason. Look at her go. But yeah, so she's when Jessica arrives at her mom's house, we see, uh, you know, there's the blood on the floor. She's trying to clean. Vicky's trying to clean it up. You know, we introduce the baby. She's like, oh, he's got or she's got Steven's eyes. And we find out the baby's name is Stephanie, all that. Um, then back at the police station, like I said, Josh is being or Josh. Steven is being transferred from the uh, from the holding cell or from the questioning room to a holding cell. And he sees Jessica and Robert and Vicky arriving at the hospital or hospital. Jesus arriving at the police station. I don't know what the fuck I'm saying, apparently. Um English so, does not make sense. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's just, it's just Latin. It's just Latin, Spanish, and French on a trench coat. <laughs> this, this is what happens when you try to record a, a weird movie only two hours after being awake. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so yeah, so he freaks out when he sees Jessica with a baby, and you know she freaks out seeing Stephen covered in her mom's blood, uh, and then you know Stephen is pulled into the holding cell, and she, and Jessica goes to to talk to Landis. So 
she passes her baby off to Vicky. This is just a total dick move because she's like, you know, here's you know, here's all the bottles and stuff to watch to watch my baby while you have to go to work. And she's like and it's she's making her watch her baby all day. Now, we have to assume it's before noon because she gives her the one bottle and she's like, give him this one or give her this one at noon and then this one at two. And and then she's like, and move our way up to hard liquor by eight. Yeah, I got it. So (laughs) but it's like she's going to be signing paperwork for like 10 hours. Like, really? Like, you're just going to pass off your kid to your working friend? Have him t- have her babysit at a diner? Yeah, right. And so, she, she's going to end up just, like, sitting in a cardboard box by herself in the back yeah, room. Like, on, like, a fucking no shelf. <laughs> like, par- parenting was weird in the 80s, man. I'm telling you. Well, and that's what I'm saying. So, like, anyone who's ever had a kid, like, they don't stay still. Especially that size. Like, if you put this kid in a box on a shelf, that box is going over. Like, I'm not even a parent. I know that. But also, right. um, mm. Robert, this entire movie, I was just like, this is just Patrick Bateman in a different outfit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, he, he, gives remind- a- he even had like this stare. He just reminded me of him the entire time. He, he has that smarmy, yuppie look. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. he even, he's even dating a blonde woman. This is true. But yeah, no, I, I hate Robert Culp in this movie. <laughs> he, he sucks. Um, or Robert Campbell. It's uh, Stephen Culp is what I was thinking. That's the actor's name. Um, so Stephen is put in the cell next to Creighton Duke, who gives him a hard time mocking him about being accused for the murder of the mo- of, of the mother of the woman he loves. He tells Stephen that he knows he's innocent and that Jason is responsible. Duke goes on to tell him that he's the only one that knows how to stop Jason. And we get this freaking ridiculous scene that makes no sense because, again, Creighton Duke is involved <laughs> where he he makes Stephen pay for information by breaking his fingers. Why? Like, yeah, I, just, I think he gets off on it. And and that's the thing. It's like, I get they're trying to be like, oh, Creighton's a badass. And, you know, he's he he likes doing this kind of stuff. He's not. A, he's a pervert. Yeah, that that is. And, <laughs> like, and he's that, a weirdo. No, that, it's not badass to me. He's weird. And then he's just mean. He, he's just mean in the entire movie. To me. Oh, yeah. He's just like, just like, this is the kind of dude who would start fights in high school because they thought it was funny. I was saying it's funny though, Maurice, that you mentioned him being a pervert because apparently the actor got in trouble on set because he thought it was funny to flash the other actors constantly. Oh jeez. Oh, oh yeah. So. Oh, boy. Uh, uh, yeah, he got in a little bit of trouble for for doing that on the set. Um. So yeah, he is a pervert. But uh, here's the thing though, he's he's trying to convince Stephen to help him stop Jason. So why handicap him? Why break his fingers? Like, you know you want this guy's help. So I, I just, I don't understand the motive here other than and, just, and that, it, Now, initially, I thought maybe the plan was to break his fingers, and that's his excuse of getting out of the cell, mm-hmm. which ends up happening anyways, but I don't know if, I don't know. That's the only thing I can think of. And that's the thing, they totally could have faked it, been like, he broke my fingers. No, he didn't, you know? It's like, right. But. Also, I have to comment the uh, the Foley work here. Like, it sounds like someone's just snapping pieces of celery. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Very clean bricks. Yep. No, you should hear some crunching. <laughs> right. So Creighton explains the rules of the movie here. Jason can only be killed by destroying his heart, but that can only be done by another Voorhees. While Jason uh, can hop in, in and out of bodies, he becomes weaker and weaker in every new body that he's in. He needs to be reborn. Uh, and that, too, can only be done through a Voorhees. 
Diana was Jason's sister, and now that she's dead, the only living relatives are Jessica and Stephanie. If Stephen wants to stop Jason, he has to convince Jessica about her birthright and help her destroy Jason. Otherwise, uh, you know, Jason will kill her and Stephanie. Which, I get the idea here. I do. I understand it's like, okay, Jason's trying to, like, stop all the other Voorhees so he is immortal. However, a Voorhees didn't blow up his body. And if he's jumping from body to body and he's getting weaker as he goes, the logic of destroying your bloodline doesn't make any sense. Because if you get fucked up again in the future, you're stuck. Yeah, it, like, it's this kind is of a Michael Myers crap over here. Yeah, it's kind of a dumb concept. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but, oh. I was just like, Michael, is that you? Right. <laughs> so Steven screams for help and Officer Randy comes running in. And, you know, he finds out that Creighton attacked him. They show him the broken fingers. While Randy is distracted, Stephen jumps him, steals his gun, and locks Randy up so he can escape. Also, this is something in the comic book. Uh, Stephen tries to, to, like, fuck with Duke now that he has the keys. And he's like, now it's your turn to pay for, some, to pay for something, Duke. And he's like, nah, I'll get out in my own time. But it's like, it's funny. In the comic book, they take the time to explain that. But you would think... In the movie, like, okay, Steven knows this guy knows all this information about Jason. Mm -hmm. Let me get him to come help me. Let me unlock his cell, too. But Steven's like, fuck you. You broke my fingers. Bye. It just leaves. (laughs) So So, weird. The entire time I was watching any interaction between Steven and Randy, I'm just like, gay? Homosexual? (laughs) This seems, hmm. They're they're a little too friendly. Yeah. (laughs) But back at Joey B's, uh, Vicky sets up a makeshift crib out of a produce box that she purchased on the table in the storeroom. And that is just begging for that baby to get injured. But I, I do I do like when she first comes in, <laughs> Joey B gets all pissed off. She's like, what the fuck is that? That's <laughs> just like pointing <laughs> at the baby. <laughs> and Leslie's like, oh, if that ain't just the sweetest little thing, go get the fuck out. Get it the fuck out. It'll be cute outside, too. <laughs> I, I, I love Joey B. She's so crazy. But... Meanwhile, she gets a call about Stephen escaping jail and that he's armed. She thinks he may make his way there to get the baby, so she gets her gun ready. <laughs> There's this silly scene where she can't cock the gun, and Leslie's like, give me that baby. And he cocks it, and then it pops back, and he goes, oh, and he gets all scared. <laughs> I love My, these two. Remember, I have friends' parents who are like this. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> Oh, man, but we we see Steven is already hiding out in the storeroom at the diner. He gets to see his baby for the first time, and then Ward, uh, Joey and Leslie's son, catches them. But he doesn't want his friend to get caught, so he gives him his key, the keys to his car and tells him to get out of there. Steven listens and takes off to the Voorhees' house. While there, Steven pokes around and finds none other than the fucking Necronomicon! Because <laughs> why not? Hell yeah. Yeah, exactly, why not? That was the best moment in this entire movie for me. I was like, yes! Oh my god, it all makes sense now! (laughs) Totally off topic, have you guys seen the trailer for Evil Dead Rise yet? Yes. No. Oh my god, I want to see it so bad! Father, why have you not informed me? I must know. You're on the internet, you're a teenager, I don't need to show you internet (laughs) stuff. Every time I send you a video, you're like, yeah, I've seen it already, what else else you got? But it's about Evil Dead. That stuff doesn't come up in my recommended. And my stuff that comes in my recommended is dancing fish in the background with rainbow <laughs> colors. 
I, I, I'm not going to see trailers for horror movies. I do have to say, I love the, the, the slight change up the look of the Necronomicon because it does change in every movie, but it looks like they put teeth like latching it together. I was like, ah, oh, it's so cool. Like, I just, I, I love it. I can't wait. But so back to this movie. Uh, Steven hears someone coming and quickly hides in the closet. The floorboards give way underneath him and he falls halfway into the floor as Robert Campbell comes waltzing into the house. Uh, Robert's on a phone call with the showrunners of American Case Files and he starts talking about how he plans to do a show in the Voorhees house. Basically, he wants to pull a Halloween resurrection before Halloween resurrection and dress up the Voorhees house with body parts and random bric-a-brac to make it all spoopy. Um, he goes on to tell the guy that tomorrow's headline will reveal body of slain Voorhees woman stolen from morgue. He explains that he stole Diana's corpse from the morgue and stashed it in the closet of the Voorhees house. So when they film there, they'll find the body and the ratings will go through the roof. He sucks. (laughs) Like everything about him is bad. Again, more Patrick Bateman. Yep. So just then Jason Josh busts into the room and attacks Robert. (laughs) transferring Jason demon fetus to Robert via sloppy tongue kiss. Um, (laughs) Jason Josh falls over and immediately turns into a meal from RoboCop and starts melting. Like (laughs) he he staggers around, he bumps into the wall, which makes uh, the body in the closet, the body of Diana fall on top of Steven. He lets her slide into the floor, into the basement, which will be important later. Uh, Now. Okay. Sorry. Continue. I was going to say, I just have a question about Melty Boy. You know, why didn't he just fall down dead once Jason left his body? He already had half of his head shot off. Like, he, the the human that was there would have been dead. Like, Jason, not so much. But Jason is now gone from the body. So why did he have all this time to be like, I'm melting. Like, Because it was like the best special effects scene in the movie, and I wanted to see it. I mean, yeah, (laughs) it looked amazing, but it's like, that doesn't make any damn sense. Let me tell you something, friends. If they tongue kiss you on the first date, leave. (laughs) (laughs) I I also just realized I'm trying to make sense after, you know, we just saw a baby demon fetus transfer to another person via kiss. So I guess I'm kind of, you know. Butting yeah. up against the wall here. I think I think you forget the fact that your show is uh, about horror movies. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> and you're like, do you, what's the quotient on the ones that make sense versus the ones that are just awesome? <laughs> you know that 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 would be a good question to go through and see how many of these actually made sense. Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure the ratio is going to be way off. Yeah, I feel like the other face makes bad. sense. I mean, yeah. I mean, I feel like I feel like Tessa Chainsaw makes sense. That one, that one makes sense for me because it's think, still all living people. I think a few the of the one, ones, yeah, a few of the ones we covered, they make sense. And you know what? They don't technically have to make sense. Sense. They at least just have to follow the rules of their own film. <laughs> like yeah. that's the main thing. But so Robert jumps up and heads out of the house. Like dun dun dun, he's on his way to go kill some stuff. Um, cut to Jessica cr- crying in the shower, and the power goes out. This is also an, another first, a Friday the 13th shower scene with no nudity. Uh, she gets dressed and heads out into the house calling for Robert. She creeps around, makes her way to the garage, and bam, gets attacked by Robert. He tries to spit the Jason Demon fetus into her mouth, but Steven shows up and sucker punches him. Steven grabs Jessica, slings her over his shoulder, and runs outside to his car. She understandably is confused as fuck, and uh, they get in the car as Robert Jason punches through the window to grab Steven. 
Steven backs up, hits Robert with the car, and then backs over him again for good measure. As they drive away, Jessica is absolutely freaking out, screaming at him to stop, wanting to know what the hell's going on. He, I love this. He pulls over. And he's like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> like he just, she's yelling, what's going on? You kill. He just goes, shut the fuck up. And she's like, oh, all right. And just listen. <laughs> he tries to explain that the thing he just killed isn't Robert. And he didn't kill Diana. He tries to convince her that they have to get the baby. And I love this. She's like, okay. And then she calmly punches him in the nuts and beats uh-huh. the hell out of him. I will say this about her like she she does not hesitate she has people have like a fight or flight you know uh, uh, reaction hers is fight all the time there's multiple times when she's like punching someone in the nuts sneaking away putting her hair up and running out the back door like she is not hesitating to you know like save her skin save her baby and like fuck this guy oh absolutely and and I kind of like that about this character we finally have a final girl who was not stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Also, this is why you should fear all mothers when they're separated from their children. Oh, 100%. Oh, 100%. <laughs> but the mama bear instinct kicks in. I, w- I will say. And then you should run because you will not live. <laughs> With Friday, Friday the 13th, I-, I will give it this. We have had a few uh, competent final girls who, who kick some ass. Um. But we've also had a few screaming, you know, lunatics, like in part three. Uh, I forget her name, but the, the final girl from part three who's just like losing her mind throughout the entire movie. And then, but you get, um, what's her name from part two? Oh, I always forget. Ginny? Is it Ginny? Ginny, Ginny. yeah. Yeah, yep. yeah. She's awesome. Yeah. yeah I I think she's, I, she's a pretty badass final girl. For sure. I think that this whole franchise, it's up and down. Like they've got some, some of the best, but then also some of the worst. So yeah, it's like, a little bit of hit and miss. This movie is pretty like, you know, uh, it's pretty male centric. It's pretty like chauvinistic and like mm-hmm. testosterone fueled, you know? So having her just like be like, okay, fine. I'm going to punch you in the nuts and steal your car. It was like, yes, that's what we needed right now. Yep. I feel, I feel like <laughs> Tina from part seven is pretty good too for a final girl. I mean, she yeah. does fight back. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, and she, she pulls it together. You yeah. know what I like about Tina is that she she starts off as like the you know scared, frightened, shrinking Violet, and is just like, nah, nah, fuck that. I got I got mind bullets. Damn it, I'm taking you out. Like, let's let's get you. Yeah, she goes after Jason hardcore, and I love it. But so yeah, she uh she bashes Steven's head into the into the steering wheel kicks him out of the car. He's grabbing onto the, the door and she just drives off like, fuck you. Um, <laughs> so Jessica makes her way to the police station, tells Landis what happened. She tells him that Steven is out on, on Lake Road, just past the old Myers place. <laughs> <laughs> and Landis says, all, all these Easter eggs. <laughs> right? I, know, right. I mean, if, La- Landis right there. I mean, Exactly. If you if you see the Kruger house, you've gone too far. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. Don't go past the last house on the left. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but so Officer Randy goes off to get him. Cut to Randy pulling up where Steven is, and we get the buddy fight where they kick the crap out of each other and argue. I love this scene because they they beat the hell out of each other, and then they're just sitting by the car. <laughs> Randy goes, "Get in the fucking car, Steven." He goes, "You get in the car." He goes. You want me to cuff you? He goes, what makes you think you can? He goes, I got a gun. And he pulls out his gun. And he goes, fuck that. I got a gun. And he pulls out his gun. 
See, this is the scene where I was like, these two are a bit too friendly with each other, if you know what I mean. Like, you see that, that you see that fight? That was a pretty game, my guy. I was roaring when I first saw that. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think this is great. Actually, this is some of the best writing in the movie, too, because, you know, to take into your point, like, these people are clearly friends, like, they're close. They've known each other for a long time. There's so much like weird, like superficial or just like bullshit dialogue, not only in this movie, but in like most of the franchise. So when you get like a really believable relationship between like two guys who are like, they're trying to be friends, but like they both have like a job to do. And it's so believable. I, I think it's great. Yep. No, I, I, I agree. I love this entire sequence, but they, they brandish their guns at each other. And Randy tells Steven, you wrecked Jessica. And he, tell, he tells her, um, he's like, wait, you've seen Jessica? Where is she? And, and he goes, at the station. So Stephen goes, lock me up. Take me in. <laughs> he's like, puts his hands out. So back at the police station, Robert Jason busts in the door and just starts killing cops. <laughs> he grabs, like, the one cop who is the director of the film, by the way, and just hucks him over the, the counter. And then just, like, grabs that lady cop and bashes her head against the wall, killing her. So he grabs Jessica and tries to spit the demon fetus into her mouth, but Landis distracts him. Robert bashes Landis in the face and we see his nose just bust. Like all this blood comes out of it. He looks dead, falls over. Jessica seizes her opportunity and runs off Uh, out in the hallway. Robert Jason is chasing Jessica. Steven and Randy come in. Steven sees what's happening and fucking hops over his handcuffs like a ninja. (laughs) Yeah, that was cool. That was an awesome scene. He's just like, alley-oop, and just pops Randy in the face with his show, or with his elbow, grabs his gun, and starts shooting it at Robert. Like, it, so, was, it was awesome. A micro detail here that I actually quite like is the fact that he blinks every time he shoots the gun, which is a natural reaction. Oh, yeah. Like, I've seen a lot of action movies and stuff, and they don't blink whenever, or like flinch whenever they fire their gun. Those things are loud. <laughs> yeah, Schwarzenegger, Schwarzenegger's just double, double holding M60s, like squinting, like. <laughs> like it's just really nice to see him have like a natural reaction to it. Totally it's, such a, it's such a small detail, but it's really nice. I honestly, I, I really like uh, the dude who plays Steven. Like, I liked him in the Friday the Thirteenth TV series, and I like him in this. Like, he's, I think he's a great lead. Great. But um, he has, he's great main character energy. Oh, absolutely. So they, they shoot Robert several times and then one in the head dropping him. And then Steven and Jessica take off. <laughs> I love the bathroom cops that come running out to see what's going on. They're, they're both in the bathroom. The one guy's still zipping up as they're running out. And they, they run up, they find Randy on the ground. And the one guy, he checks his pulse so fucking quick. He's like, he checks, he's like, still breathing. He's alive. It's like, damn, that was fast. (laughs) Then they go over to Robert and they they think he's dead. And Robert Jason wakes up, grabs their heads and slams them together in a scene that almost reminded me of Hellraiser bloodline with the two security guards. Like their heads just kind of (laughs) smoosh. It's like, all right. (laughs) Maybe it's like, tis but a scratch. (laughs) Right. But now the cop that got thrown over the counter and was like, you know, he didn't die. He sees this in the hall and he's like, ah, shit, and runs away. Runs into the holding cell area and gets knocked out by Creighton Duke, who steals the keys and escapes his cell. Uh, Robert leaves the police station and heads off after Stephen and Jessica. This is where Act 2 ends. What are you guys thinking? 
it is really good. I actually, I act two is one of my favorites mm-hmm. out of this whole movie. Like all of the um, special effects are really nice too. Um, so in more in more movies that are coming up coming out recently, practical effects are being used more than CGI. Like we yes, pulled the Uno reverse card. So mm-hmm. I feel like I could appreciate these more now that I've seen more practical effects in more modern movies. I, I so love that we've gone back practical. It makes the, me so happy. The melty scene was real nice. And also <laughs> just Robert getting Robert getting up just just gives me all the tis but a scratch vibes. Like I <laughs> I can't not think of that anytime I see someone who was thought to be dead get up with like a mortal wound and then start like kicking ass. Like I can't <laughs> I can't not think that. I've seen too much Monty Python. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, that's, see, I definitely that's agree that. That's Sorry, a sign your, I was gonna say that's a sign your parents are raising you right. <laughs> You've seen a lot of Monty Python. I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm proud. <laughs> it's a blessing, a blessing for the Lord. <laughs> God be praised. <laughs> yeah, we live on Antioch Avenue, which every time it comes up in conversation, Tegan's always like, you know, the holy hand grenade of Antioch. <laughs> you have a welcome mat that says, what is your quest? What is your favorite color? And what is the wingspan velocity of a um, laden swallow? I love it. <laughs> yeah. I love it. You know, the cool people who come to the door when they like comment on it, you know, like, all right, you're cool. If, especially <laughs> these like, these like salesmen that come and knock on the doors. Like if they understand what the, the mat is, like I'll listen to your sales pitch. Otherwise, <laughs> deuces. <laughs> get, get the stepping. Exactly. One time I, I opened the door for my friend on Halloween and then she replied she replied questions to all of the answers. She was like she was like, My quest is to go trick-or-treating with you. My favorite color is yellow. And I and is the swallow going east or south sa- going east or west, Tegan? <laughs> no no yellow. <laughs> oh Tim. <laughs> Um, but yeah, to answer your question, I'll say, Mike, I think that this is the best part of the movie too, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I definitely agree that act two, this is where, again, there's like fast paced action. There's like lots of kills. We're like changing like uh, set pieces, like traveling around the town. Like the town even feels like very believable. Like there's the, you know, the diner in the house and the police station. So yeah, I really think that you know, th- this movie does, I think it gets a bad rap, especially, you know, from people like us, like, you know, Friday the 13th fans who are like, where's my Jason? I don't want my Jason back, you know? <laughs> you got you got Supernatural in my Jason movie. Exactly. Just give me my Jason back and stop and from, it. <laughs> from someone who didn't grow up with these movies as a kid, um, mm. it is really nice, actually, watching them all like this, because you, I've seen other movies like this before, and even ones that have came out afterwards, and I can make these connections, and it just seems uh, more believable for me that this would happen. Absolutely. And I feel like that's actually a kind of nice perspective to have on this show. Mm-hmm. Um, you have, like, the more modern perspective compared to the old fanboys. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I love these it. movies, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm, watching, I'm over here watching RoboCop with Dad, and he's like, I saw this when I was, like, eight. Yep. Like, what? In, in the <laughs> theater. <laughs> Yeah. Did you stutter? I, I I saw that in the theater. I, I'll never forget it. I, I went with uh I went with my entire family. So it was me, my brother, my sister, my parents, and then my aunt. Okay, we all went to go see Robocop at the Four Seasons in Niagara Falls. Nice. And uh yeah, the uh the scene with Emil really freaked me out. But the funny thing is I walked out of that theater 
wanting two things. I wanted an Ed 209 toy and I wanted a RoboCop toy, which I later <laughs> got. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, it, for me, it was the, the double standard of like the 80s per uh, parenting where uh, it was a we didn't see it until it was on VHS. And I remember my mother rented it and it was at a stage where I was like in like seven or eight and um my mom would always want to like watch an R-rated movie first and just see like how bad it was. And then, so what, uh, what she would do is she and my dad would watch the movie. And I remember staying up late and like trying to like look down the hallway to like see the screen and see <laughs> yep. if I could like watch a little bit of it. And I got caught like twice before my mom got really mad. So <laughs> I went to bed and then the next day I, we, we'd go and we would look, my mom would leave a note or something cause uh, she would go to work. And yeah, so I remember being so excited where it was like, when you get to this one scene, like just fast forward a little bit. And of course it's like the locker room scene where there's like a nipple you know, on screen for like a half a second. Like that's what my mom was worried about, but like, not the guy who gets shot so many times that his arm falls off. That's okay. (laughs) Or the guy that gets shot in the dick. Yeah, exactly. Or the drugs and violence. No, that's fine. Yeah. yeah. You know, the guy that they melted at the end of the movie. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. You you can stab uh, a red from that 70s show in the neck. That's okay. (laughs) With with a USB spike. (laughs) I love it. But just be careful to fast forward through that like nipple that's on screen for five nanoseconds. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. Like, and I'm um, hearing this and I'm just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what is what happened? Like, I've seen so many people and like my friends and stuff who are like, yeah, I want to go live in the 80s and the 90s, man. It was real great. And I'm just over here listening to you guys. Like, I'm like, are you sure? <laughs> are you are you sure? Are, do you really want that? They're like, yeah, the like the the malls and the clothes and the food and the cafes. And I'm like, you've seen all this from Stranger Things. Yep. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, I, I I love this. Just just a quick side note. Uh, the Stranger Things kind of covers the highlights, the fanboy highlights of mm-hmm. the, the era. I saw this one meme that had me roaring, where it was like. Hollywood's portrayal of the 80s and it showed like Stranger Things stuff and then it was like the actual 80s and it showed a living room with like brown wood paneling and like bad floral print wallpaper and like mm-hmm. green couches and like seven ashtrays in the living room. Isn't yep. that just Nana's house? I was gonna say that is totally what an 80s house looked like at that time. That That's was my just mom's Nana's house. house. <laughs> yeah. And didn't everybody have that like tweed couch that was really itchy when you sat yes. on it in like shorts, right? Yes. I hate it. <laughs> I'm just over here. Like, I'm just my friends are just talking about how it's gonna be great, and I'm in the back of my head. I'm just thinking all the drugs and violence and stuff. Yep. And I'm just like, Reaganomics. Do you really want to live back there? I mean, <laughs> you're you're gay. Like, do you really want to live back there? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, do you know yeah. what's gonna happen? <laughs> yeah. That, I, I have all these, I have all these like, uh, sorry, I have all these like primrose memories of it. But at the same time, as a parent, I like look back and I'm like, yeah, it was great. We did whatever we wanted. It was like Nickelodeon. It was like a kid's world, you know? And again, now as a parent, I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm alive. How did I survive the (laughs) nineties? I I have to go home at 10 years old, let yourself in and was able to use an oven. Like I forget to turn the oven off and I'm 15. (laughs) Dude, like we, Seriously, we were talking about this the other night at work, but like, I, I will never forget being a kid in, in summertime and like getting out of the house before 9 a.m. 
and not coming back until the streetlights came on. Yep. And like my parents just didn't care. It was just like, oh, it's summertime. He's out there playing with his friends. And that's exactly what I was doing. I was getting into all sorts of hijinks, but it's like, you know, I was mostly riding my bike and you know, running around, going up to Hyde Park, you know, splashing around in the water, you know, with snapping turtles and toxic waste. Um, yeah, you know, normal stuff. Safe. And you could be like yeah. me, like you could just be like me and like, you know, rob the top supermarket and uh, break into the abandoned building across the street and make a clubhouse. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that was just me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we used to scale scale the walls between uh, J&J's diner and that weird little like family video that was next door to it. We'd climb up onto the roof of the family video and get in trouble. Oh, boy. So it was fun. But, uh, uh, Maurice, do you have any thoughts on Act 2? Uh, I'm pretty much just agree with what you guys have said. <laughs> just that it's it's the, the best act of the film? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. It's uh, it's We have, like Josh said, the most set pieces. Everything, like, you actually kind of feel like Crystal Lake is more than just a campground in this movie. Um, and I, I, I do love the violence in the police station. Like, the, the gunshots at Robert, the slowdown we get, and then finally, like, the headshot. And it's shot at a cool angle, like, where you see the black blood splatter on the wall. And, like, it's just, it's a really cool sequence. And, like I said, Steven's little ninja moves were awesome. So, love act two. I think he trains with Mr. Miyagi. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> so, act three kicks open with uh, Steven and Jessica head off to Joey B's diner to get the baby. Joey pulls a gun on them, refusing to let them anywhere near Stephanie. I love it. She goes, nobody's going to touch that little fucking ray of sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> she's the best. Her mama oh, bear so instincts is. activated. <laughs> Shelby tries to call the cops, but the line is dead. They give Ward a gun and tell him to go check out what's happening over there. Steven tries to warn them, telling him that if Ward goes over there, he's going to be killed. She's like, shut the fuck up. And I love how Ward shoves the gun in the front of his pants. And Joey's like, uh, honey, watch, watch the willy. <laughs> He's like, oh, ma. <laughs> I thought I didn't hear that first part. So I just I just heard I heard her look at the like table that like part that lifts up and then yeah. go, oh, mom. <laughs> so confused. <laughs> he, she said, watch the willy. <laughs> it's like, don't shoot off. At, you know. But uh, Ford walks outside and we see Robert walking toward him. Inside, Jessica grabs Joey's gun. They struggle. The gun goes off, and she accidentally shoots the circuit breaker, knocking out the power. Now we get a series of awesome moments. Jessica clocks Joey in the face with a napkin dispenser, dropping her. Ward tries to stop Robert, but Robert, sna Robert snaps his forearm clean where the bone just pokes up out of the skin. That that was gnarly. Carrots. Uh, Carrots uh, for bones. Right? The, the Foley work is ridiculous. But... Robert uh, comes in, throws Vicky aside when he smashes in the, the front door, and then grabs a random customer and puts him through the counter. Like, this poor guy's just eating his soup, and he's like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> just gets thrown through the counter. He got a wood sandwich. Right? And then it's sad what happens to him later, because he's trying to run away, and he gets shot with a shotgun. When Steven starts to shoot Robert, Vicky jumps up with a shotgun that she pulled out of somewhere. And this is where she shoots Robert and the customer. <laughs> she pulled it out of her, she pulled out of her ass. <laughs> right, seriously. It was just like she jumps up like fucking Rambo and is like, just like <laughs> so Jessica goes to get her baby and finds a note from Duke. Now, I paused it here to see what it says, but they, they do a close up later. It, it says, I uh 
the, the note says, I have what you want. Come to the Voorhees house alone. She hides the note from Stephen, who thinks that Vicky moved the baby, and he's looking around trying to find where, where the baby is. Uh, Robert Jason grabs Shelby and deep fries his face. Like He just grabs the little guy and shoves his friggin' face in the deep fryer, which is amazing. Um, Foreshadowing to part 10 in Liquid Nitrogen. Right? I didn't even think of that. Yeah, so part 9, we got the fried face, and part 10, we got the frozen face. That's funny. Um, my favorite, though, this is one of my favorite kills in the entire franchise. Joey B tries to stop him, and he just backhands her face and her entire jaw just goes inside and she wobbles around like a Muppet and then walks <laughs> over. I love that one so much. <laughs> it's so goofy. I love it. A uh, little, little shout out to uh, one of my favorite podcasts, Film Sack. Years and years and years ago when they covered this movie, the one guy just, when they got to that part, he goes, lay down, lady, your face done broke. And I... <laughs> Every time I watch this movie, I hear that in my head and lose it. Wait, Dad, is that where you get that from? <laughs> Lay down, lady. Your face done broke. <laughs> no. No, I haven't. Re- I've oh. never. Re- oh, I've listened to Film Sack, but not that much. Oh, my God. I love that show. But So Robert grabs Jessica yet again, but Vicky blasts him with her mysterious shotgun and then stabs him through the gut with a conveniently placed piece of rebar. Why was there rebar in the diner? I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah. Robert grabs Vicky and impales her on the end, sticking out of him. She tells him to go to hell, because movie title, and then he squashes her head like a pimple. Which, that was a great kill, too, because he squashes mm-hmm. the sides of her head and it just goes sploop out of the top. <laughs> yeah, we were watching this and Tegan was like, you know, squish just like grape. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Some nice oh, homemade God. grape juice. <laughs> right. so robert finally took too much damage and falls over jessica takes off for the Voorhees house leaving steven behind steven finds the note and realizes where she's going he then looks at Chekhov's machete hanging on the wall because of course there's a machete hanging on the wall gee i wonder if that's going to be convenient Uh, now see if this were a be- if this were a better made movie, right? They would have made a bigger deal out of all the Voorhees memorabilia that uh, that the diner owners had hung up, right? Like, yep. they, like you saw it, but they didn't really like focus on it. They should have like you know hung a lampshade on it, like oh look, there's machetes on the wall, so that mm-hmm. later on you'd be like, well, obviously. But instead, we're just like uh, convenient plot device. <laughs> and and I find it funny that like Jason doesn't use the machete in this movie. Like, other than when he swings it at the the uh, agent at the beginning of the film. But he doesn't kill anybody with a machete. Like, he gets killed with a machete. Nobody else uses the machete to kill somebody, which is, which is interesting. Karma? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Jessica arrives at the Voorhees house and heads inside to find Creighton Duke with her baby. And I like how she's like, give me the baby. Her and Steven both refer to Stephanie as the baby instead of, my child or my baby or even her name stephanie the entire movie it's the baby give me the baby i know i forgot she even had a name (laughs) yeah same so she tells duke that robert is dead and he'll never see his bounty money he tells her that it's not about the money anymore it's about sending jason straight to hell she tells him you don't need me for that and he goes yes i do and he tosses her the knife when she catches it it magically transforms into the kendarian dagger from evil dead 2 see this is the part i was talking about 
What black magic spell did he put on this knife to make it turn into the dagger? Where did he get the dagger from, too? She, now, I always took it as it, because she's the last, like, the last living Voorhees, and it's her birthright to, like, fight back again. Like, she's she's the yin to the Jason Yang type of thing. And I just always assumed that it was a random knife, and he threw it to her, and because it was her grabbing it, it turned into the dagger that she needed. Maybe. I mean... Everything else in the movie doesn't make any damn sense. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but that's how I how I interpreted it too. Like it wasn't that Creighton had the special dagger disguised somehow. It was more of like, no, give her the weapon here in this house, and like she's the Voorhees bloodline, and like how Creighton Duke knew that that was going to happen is the real mystery. But yeah, <laughs> right. I just kind of went along with it. Like, yeah, it's magic. He's magical, mystical man. He's plot device, basically. <laughs> He's oh my god! There, there is oh what what is the name of it? Shoot, there's that that TV tropes. There's a there's a website called TV tropes, and this mm. this is one of them. It's the oh it's it's something it's something along the lines of like the mystical black man or mystical oh. black person. Yeah, like, yeah. It's, oh, it's, it's the a, magical Negro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's something like that because it, like it's it's yeah. used in Stephen King movies all the time, and mm. it, it it has become like a straight up trope in horror. Yeah, to be like it. we're gonna we're gonna have the older black person, you know, t- tell everybody the plot of the film. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, that happens in Ghosts of Georgia. Mm-hmm. And happens also, in The Stand and a bunch of other stuff. Lots like, of stuff. Also, I'm actually kind of surprised he didn't die first, mm-hmm. because like usually the black guy dies first. <laughs> <laughs> Josh just put in the in the chat the actual trope. You found it. That's awesome. Yep. Yeah, I wasn't being racist. It really is called Magical Negro. <laughs> yes, it to- totally is. But yeah, that it's it's just it's crazy how many horror films have that trope. But so he goes on to ex- to explain what she needs to do and why. You know, the whole only through a Voorhees can he be reborn. Only through only a Voorhees can kill him. Yada yada yada. You know, he won't stop coming for you and and your daughter until he's dead. You'll always be in danger. I love the way he says reborn though. Because he keeps putting that weird affectation on it. He's like, only through a Voorhees can he be reborn. <laughs> <He's> just, <laughs> reborn. Like, it sounds like he's trying real hard to do like a Louisiana accent, but he's right. failing very, very, very badly. Exactly. It's really funny. But we cut to a cop. We don't see which, but we cut to a cop arriving at the diner and seeing the carnage. Um, we give a lot of first person shots here. Robert Jason jumps out and gives him the demon fetus hickey. And then back to the Voorhees house, we see a car, a car pulling up. Creighton warns Jessica that Jason will have a new body by now and she can't trust anyone. Suddenly a trap door opens in the floor for plot reasons, dropping Creighton into the basement where his leg is impaled on more rebar. What the hell is up with all the rebar? I think that's just a movie trip because it's in so many movies. It like, really rebar, is. Rebar just saves lives and kills lives, apparently. <laughs> right. And so Landis comes in. <laughs> And Creighton tells Jessica to kill him, you know, that he, that she can't trust him. Jessica's in sh- unsure what to do because she's like, I thought you were dead. And he's like, you were wrong. And uh, Landis tries to get the knife from her. And then Randy comes in and tells Landis to get away from her. Now, both of the cops are arguing. Jessica still doesn't know what to do. And I love Creighton in the basement. He's like, kill them both. You can't trust them. <laughs> <laughs> so Landis rushes her. He ends up getting stabbed on the knife. He falls on top of her, knocking her over, and she drops the dagger, which slides across the room under the dresser. Meanwhile, uh, Randy grabs Stephanie, 
and uh, we find out that it's Randy Jason. So apparently uh, Jason can talk because he talks as Randy. Oh, yeah. No, wait, Steven, your boyfriend. (laughs) (laughs) Randy tries to hork up the Jason demon fetus into Stephanie's mouth, but Steven rushes in with the machete and slashes him across the throat, dropping him. Now the demon fetus crawls out of Randy's neck stump and begins running around the room screeching. I was like, the first time I saw this movie, I remember like, okay, picture 12-year-old Mike just sitting there with his arms crossed in the four seasons like, no, none of this makes sense. I don't like this. I thought it was maggots coming. I thought it was maggots in his spine coming out of his neck at first. What was that yellow stuff? You know, that's a good question. That happens a lot in, in horror films where, like, someone's decapitated. There's always, like, this stringy goo. Like, what is that exactly? I think it's just the straw from inside the dummy. Uh, maybe. <laughs> but, like, I thought it was maggots. It looks like maggots. It does. But the, the demon fetus attacks Steven, and he flings it through the trap door into the basement. Jessica and Steven try to help Duke out of the basement. Meanwhile, Jason Demon Fetus sees dead Diana laying next to her, uh, next to a very particular crate. I don't know if you guys noticed that. The Arctic. Yeah. The <laughs> I Arctic thought it was a crate from the thing. Like, I was like, Arctic, it's from the thing. Well, and that's the funny thing. It's actually from Creepshow yeah. and uh, from the crate. But in the crate, they were referencing the thing. Uh, so, so initially, the, the, I was so, right. So, yeah, <laughs> it, it is a double reference. It's a, it's a reference to the Arctic expedition in the thing. But in the uh, in movie creep show, we get Fluffy in the crate, the Yeti monster. So I, I just thought that was fun that I'm like, not only do we get the Evil Dead, you know, Evil Dead 2 stuff and Nightmare on Elm Street stuff, we also get creep show stuff. Pretty and cool. the thing. That's true. Uh, it's, it's just so many references in this film. So they pull Duke up from the basement and Jason Demon Fetus crawls up Diana's hoo-ha. <laughs> this, because, yeah. of course. <laughs> But the sound, oh my god, I I laugh every time because it's literally like shloop, like it's like really, really reverse baby, reverse <laughs> like, <birth. what? laughs> Wasn't she still the diner? What's that? Wasn't she still the diner? The diner. Yeah. What do you mean? Oh no, Diana. Never mind. I got the characters. I was confusing oh. her with Vicky. Oh, you think of Vicky? Mind. I was like, no, no, no. Yeah. Was, yeah, this is Diana. Um, but I I, I love the fact that. You know, it, it's like very fucking Looney Tunes vibes. You know, mm-hmm. like the sound effect. I'm like, really, guys? Did we? Okay, that's where we're going. It's also kind of messed up because this is his dead sister. So Uh-oh. this is this is Sweet all home kinds, Alabama, right? Like, it's like now he's he's inbred on top of it. It's just it's weird, but very icky. He's his own mm-hmm. grandpa. Like, I don't I don't know. <sighs> This whole sequence with the demon baby is like I mentioned the movie Jump the Shark before. Like this is where it 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 jumps back over the shark. (laughs) Exactly. It just puts on a whole like water skiing ex you know, uh like exhibit. Yeah, that's the word I'm trying to think of. Puts on a whole like water skiing exhibition (laughs) with like a bunch of, you know, uh uh, ladies in uh, bikinis, you know, standing on one foot doing like pyramids like cheerleaders. Over like a whole family of like all different species of sharks, like that's the level we are. Because it's like, yeah, it's like a Looney Tunes cartoon with this little demon like running back and forth so fast they can't even like catch up with it or see where it's going. It's just like, do 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 do, I'm over here, do do do, I'm over here. It's so it's so goofy. dumb. Also, one other thing I, uh, one other like um, critique I have about this 
is the mm-hmm. fact that Jason comes out fully clothed and it's old yes. stuff, like you mentioned. Like, if he pos- basically he basically possessed Diana here, wouldn't Diana come out of the basement? Probably looking a bit disfigured, dead maybe, but like she would still be wearing her waiter outfit. Well, and, and that's be Diana jumping out. See, I kind of I think I would have rather seen. Uh, Jason jump out in the uh, the diner outfit. I think I would have liked that better. Um, <laughs> that would be really funny, actually. <laughs> yeah. Just just because be like great. she has to be reborn by going into like so basically like hit her body would become his body because only through a Voorhees can he be reborn. Mm-hmm. I would have liked it better if like he came out, we saw him unmasked with his gnarly monster face, wearing a diner skirt. That would have uh, yes. been amazing. Or or, or, like, if he was, or if he was like still in her body, but it was all like she hulked out, and it was like right. she, you know, now it's like Lady Jason, you know. <laughs> like, that would have been, been the same energy as having buff men in maid outfits. It would have been beautiful. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> it would have been so good. But he's like a maggot eating a zombie with like a weird hair and a mask grown into his face, or you know, and yeah. his, his torn up mechanics outfit. But, <laughs> So now upstairs, they they hear growling in the basement, and Stephen asks Duke if Jason can be reborn through a dead Voorhees, and he tells him yes. Stephen then tells tells him that Diana is down there, and they all look scared. How does Duke know this? Like, how does he know the details of, like, the person doesn't have to be alive? Like, that almost feels like it would have been left out in the ancient texts, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Also, what did he do to find that out? Um, Right. Duke, you're not helping your case here. He's a creep. I think he but, might be going to jail after this, buddy. Well, he's he going to be dead. Twice. After this. <laughs> <laughs> but suddenly a fully grown Jason or fully grown, fully deformed Jason, complete with tattered outfit and hockey mask, busts up through the floor. Jason and Steven go to get the dagger. Jason comes after them and Duke handcuffs Jason to himself to hold him back. Jason picks up Duke and bear hugs him to death. Not before J- uh, Duke goes, remember me. <laughs> <laughs> that he smashes him. No. Nobody remembers you, Duke. Yes, we don't remember you. Sorry. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jessica fumbles the dagger and drops it into the basement because, of course, she does. Um, Jason comes at Jessica, uh, Jessica and Stephanie, and Stephen tackles him out the window. Now, I got to give it to Stephen here because he put the only other friggin' person that puts up a fight like this in the entire uh, Friday the 13th franchise is fucking Julius in part eight. Yep. Because Stephen's going toe to toe with Jason. Like he's actually punching him, you know. He's he's getting thrown around by Jason, but he ain't dying. <laughs> like he's getting the shit yeah. kicked out of him, but he's living. Yeah, I mean, Jason must be you know weak or something. Like trying to look at it like realistically, like what's happening? Because yeah, the way he's Jason's throwing dude around, it's like he would have just been broken in half on that weird jungle gym thing, you know? Oh like, my god! <laughs> well, two two things about that. Number one, that apparently that uh, monkey bar set was actually used on the birds. Um, so oh. the the playground outside the school, mm-hmm. it's the, it's the same prop. Oh, I thought that was kind of okay. cool. So um, I think a reason why Steven was able to go toe to toe with Jason here is because if you don't count the time that he was the times that he was dead, so when he was buried, when he was in the lake, twice, mm-hmm. um, then he's like eighty years old. <laughs> he's like, he's he's fighting an elderly man. I didn't even think about. That. No, we're not, we're not we're not doing the Halloween ends. Nope, we're not going there. <laughs> oh, I hated that movie so bad. Like, I know. Yeah, he's a deadite. But like, remember, like before Jason was exploded, 
his body had to be that of an 80-year-old man, probably a bit older even. So now he had to use a lot of energy to go between body to body to body to finally get into a Voorhees. And think about how much energy it took to fully transform Diana's cells and the atoms of her clothes into his stuff. <laughs> like, he's probably really weakened right now. Right. Stop trying to make sense. You know, the filmmakers were just like, I don't know, distract him somehow, punch him or something. Science! <laughs> I must do it. I cannot resist. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, so he, I, I love this, though, when he throws him into the monkey bars and, and Steven tries to, like, get away, and Jason tips the monkey bars like, the fuck you will, and he just drags him away. <laughs> <laughs> so... They're they're fighting each other, and then Jessica gets the dagger and comes up from behind, up behind Jason while he's distracted fighting Steven, and stabs him in the chest. Immediately, orange magic starts flying out of Jason and up into the sky. Steven takes the opportunity to punch the fuck out of him. He's punching him in the mask, which would hurt. That's the same thing mm -hmm. I mentioned about Julius. Yeah, Julius's knuckles were all bloody. And yeah, this dude already has like two broken fingers on one of his hands, so maybe he should like take it easy with like right. the hand trauma. <laughs> but I I do like the effect of every time he punches the mask, you see the the orange magic like circle around the mask and then go into his eyes. Mm -hmm. Like that's pretty cool looking. Um, but then they yell "Go to hell!" and Jessica kicks the dagger deep into his chest. Orange light starts flying out of his chest into the sky. Suddenly, a spotlight beams down from heaven, and giant Muppet rock monster hands <laughs> shoot up out of the ground and grab Jason. <laughs> they begin pulling him down. Steven ends up getting grabbed by one of them and also getting dragged down. Jason starts to pull Steven back, but Jason jumps up and grabs him. It looks like Steven's about to be dragged to hell, too. But then more Muppet hands grab Jason and yank him down into the ground, forcing him to let go. Steven is saved and Jason is dragged to hell. The heavens. Did you, oh, good. Did you real? Did you recognize? Uh, realize that uh, it took her a minute to like consider saving him. Yeah, she was yeah. like, <laughs> "I might still be pissed at you." <laughs> but then after she saves him, they're kissing. Yeah, she's like, "I, it, I guess." It didn't so, make sense. The whole <laughs> shovel fight that Jason and Steven has. All I can think. <laughs> all I can think is just bonk. Yep. Because he cracks him in the dome a couple of times. <laughs> but I love it when the, when the spotlight goes away, it turns into sparkles. It's like, wow. <laughs> we cut to morning. We see Jessica, Stephen, and Stephanie walking off into the sunrise. Cut back to the Voorhees house. We see a dog come running up and, and dig up Jason's mask lying in the dirt. And then the dog runs away and suddenly Freddy's gloved hand busts up from the ground grabs the hockey mask, and drags it back under, cackling. Credits, Done. the end. Nice. <laughs> I'm just real happy that dog did not die. <laughs> right. It was only in the movie for, like, four collective minutes, but I'm still very happy about it. <laughs> I mean, final thoughts on this. I hated this movie when I first saw it. I fucking love it now. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's dumb as hell, but my God, it just, it's fun. I can't say I love it, but I don't hate it. I don't hate it like I used to. I hadn't it, seen this movie in so long that when I was rewatching it, it was actually really funny. And I still love it. It's still so stupidly awesome. And see, and that's the thing. It's it's entertaining. And we, we we've talked about this a lot on this show, where there are these really dumb, dumb movies that we'll watch. And if they're entertaining, that's fine. Like as long as you can have fun, I'm in. So 
Yeah, completely. And this used to be for years my rock bottom worst Friday the 13th movie and like by a long shot like there was a huge gulf waiting for more movies to be made that were bad you know mm-hmm. to, to fill the gulf between what for me was I think probably maybe part three is like the second worst but like that's more of like there was like you know all the good movies and then the one shitty one you know um right. But yeah, but over the years, it's like I still really wish they had made a lot of different choices. Like I, I still hate a lot of the stuff that they added to the lore. But I really like a lot of the things that they added, like the whole dead eye angle that Tegan mentioned. And yeah, it's it is it's a ton of fun if you just let it be what it is and not what your you know pre expectation of what a Jason movie is supposed to be like, and just enjoy it for what they made. And it's a ton of fun. Yeah, totally agree. Yep. So now I don't have a lot of trivia that I haven't already mentioned uh, during the during the recording, um, but a few little things. There was supposed to be a comic book tie-in to this that would bridge the gap between uh, Friday the Thirteenth Eight and Friday and, and this one, where we see you know Jason getting like leaving Manhattan and making his way back to Crystal Lake, um, and this is apparently like all the murders and stuff that he would have done on his way is what causes the FBI task force to get created to hunt him mm. down. Now, that mm. never happened. Instead, we got the Topps comic book adaptation <laughs> of this movie. Now, um, that, would, that would make for a good Raised by Rentals episode where we do, like, the old Hulk TV show of, like, the guy. He, he's just, oh. like, hitch, hitch, hitchhiking, hitchhiking across America, but instead of, like, <laughs> you know, solving crimes, he's just randomly murdering bikers. Yes! <laughs> Oh, dude. Okay. Next next Friday the 13th, we have a Raised by Rentals idea. Um, <laughs> if you guys but, actually talk about the Deadite thing, about how all the killers are Deadites, I would like to listen to that one. That one sounds fun. Because I, I would love to info dump about how I think that all the how, how, um, how I think all the slashers in the movies are secretly Deadites. Oh, hell yeah. That would be fun. Oh, um, couple, couple quickly. Uh, th- this, uh, the reason it's called Jason Goes to Hell the Final Friday instead of Friday the Thirteenth Part Nine, um, or something similar, is that New Line when they got the rights to do this, they didn't get all of the rights. So it's 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 that split rights thing. They didn't have the rights to the name the Friday th- or Friday the Thirteenth. They could use Jason. They could do stuff from the franchise, but there were certain parts that they didn't have rights to. They also didn't have rights um, to Tommy Jarvis. So they originally the 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 Stephen character was going to be Tommy Jarvis, but they couldn't use him. So there was a lot of like right. There's a lot of weird legal loopholes and like contractual stuff they played with to get this movie made. Um, But the first concept (laughs) for this movie before it was Jason goes to hell, it was Jason goes to L.A., which to. Two rival gangs would have been fighting when Jason shows up and starts murdering them. The rival gangs have to band together to defeat Jason. So they were going to play up on the Jason takes <laughs> Manhattan and send him to L.A. That reminds oh. me of Predator 2. Yep. <laughs> well, like, yeah, Jason takes Compton. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so now um, Jason's heart, the, the uh, heart prop. We, uh, we mentioned this in our From Dusk Till Dawn episode, but it was used as Monkey Man's heart in From Dusk Till Dawn. Um, I always love when mm. they they cross use props. <laughs> That's cool. Yep. But uh, uh, let's see here. I mentioned a lot of this stuff. Oh, one of the original titles for this was supposed to be Friday the Thirteenth Part Nine: The Dark Heart of Jason Voorhees, which I'm glad they didn't go with that. Yeah, boring. Um, 
Yeah, exactly. This is the only Friday the 13th film to be released in the 90s. So we got one film that decade. We got eight in the 80s <laughs> and one in the 90s. God, so sad. Um, now, this is just one of the, the, the like budgetary things that we always talk about on the show. It was theatrical, uh, theatrically released on August 13th, 1993, grossed 15.9 million um, and, and had a box office budget of three million. So it did make its money back, but it was the second worst performing film in the series after Jason Takes Manhattan, which is why we didn't get another one for so freaking long, because nobody wanted to take the risk on it. Um, and then last but not least, the timeline. We talk about this in all the Friday the 13th movies. Uh, so this movie is supposed to take place in 2003. So (laughs) in the Friday, the 13th timeline, this takes place in 2003. And here's the funny part. Jason versus Freddy also takes place in 2003, which is the year it came out. So 10 years after this movie, we get Jason versus Freddy on the year that this movie supposedly took place. So Jason was only in hell for like, like a vacation. Yeah. Like he, he wasn't <laughs> like, down there very long. Like, like at oh, most a couple nice. of months. <laughs> yeah. But it's funny. Cause in, in uh, Freddy versus Jason or Jason. Yeah. Freddy versus Jason. I keep saying Jason versus Freddy, Freddy versus Jason. Um, Freddy says in the opening montage, he said that he scoured the bowels of hell looking for a way. So like, he made it sound like he'd been looking for a long time. <laughs> but, yeah, he, he was looking, but there was nobody there until Jason popped in. And he right. was like, you know, just what the doctor ordered. <laughs> yeah. I feel like he like went out to the lobby of hell and saw Jason like, hey, you'll do. Yeah, you know? exactly. Like Jason was chilling in like in the waiting room and like Beetlejuice <laughs> with like his long number waiting to be called. <laughs> exactly. So there's this webcomic that I find that I really like to read. It's, call, it's called Camp Counselor Jason. Which is- <laughs> Nice. It's where he doesn't ever actually turn into a slasher. He's just a camp counselor at Crystal Lake, but he still wears the hockey mask. And but he and he still doesn't talk either. He he signs. He uses sign language. That is amazing. I ca- I need so, I need to look this up. It's so cool and it's cute. He interacts with the kids and genuinely has a fun time with them. And he <laughs> does use the machete at some points. Um but like it's really cool. And oh, no. <laughs> Nice. I'm so, going to look at that after this. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, I think Dad just sent a link to it. Yeah, that's I just saw that. I was like, ooh, I'm going to look at that later. But yeah, <laughs> um, like, it's awesome. But I, I know we, we've gone pretty long on this one, so I'm, I'm going to start wrapping things up here because I know, Maurice, you got to get to work tomorrow. So uh, let's let's hit our social media. So for anyone not following us on social media, we are The Boogeyman's Closet on both Facebook and Instagram. Maurice handles our Twitter, and what is that good, sir? At Boogeyman's The... Thank you very much. We also have a Patreon for anyone interested. It's $3 a month for all of our unedited episodes, as well as an exclusive episode each month. We are a little behind on those, but you're about to get a bunch of them this month. Um, Also, the higher tiers get you stuff like art in the mail, and you get to pick episodes, things like that. We are part of the Rad Pantheon group, which I will toss it over to Josh, the Professor X of our Rad Pantheon. Yeah, thanks. The Red Pantheon is a super team of podcasters, musicians, artists, photographers, you name it. Just a bunch of rad creative people making rad stuff. So if you like this show or and you want to hear some more podcasts or check out some cool art or just anything else uh, fun and creative, then go to redpantheon.com. And chances are you'll probably like, uh, you know, one, maybe everything that's there. 
and also part of the Rat Pantheon is our other podcast that Mike and I do, Raised by Rentals, where we improv new story ideas on old VHS era properties to just, you know, come up with some new fun idea. Yep. It's always a good time. Now, do you want to throw out a Comics Boost plug at all? Or? Oh, yeah. And also, you can check me out on Instagram at Comics Boost, where I feature independently published crowdfunded comics. And I just uh, try to, you know, spread the word about some cool comics out there. So check out Comics Boost. Just spell that with an X. And I've, seen, I'm, I've seen his some of his posts as he works on them, and they are pretty cool comics. Yeah, I was going to say, as, as someone who... who uh... Who sees that all the time and is jealous that I can't afford to read all those comics? <laughs> there, there's always some some really cool stuff being on, or on Comics Boost. The teenager seal of approval. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think uh, we're gonna wrap this up here, guys. Do you have any any final thoughts or anything you want to add at the last minute here? Please put me on Raised by Rentals so I can info dump about Deadites. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs> yes, we'll have to we'll have to come and have you guest star on that one as well. We'll come up with a fun story. But yeah, yes. no, I just want to say, <laughs> Mike, Maurice, thanks for letting us come on once again and talk about uh, Jason Voorhees on a Friday Thirteenth special. It's uh, this has been an awesome series so far. Uh, it's always a good time. Absolutely, always thank a you. Pleasure. Yeah, thank you both for joining us. <clears throat> and uh, I, I guess with that, um, for anyone who wants to watch our next episode. Uh, at the time of the time you hear this, we already recorded our next episode, but it is episode 166, Puppet Master 2. Uh, it'll be coming out a couple of days after you hear this. Then um, the follow up after that is going to be Ghoulies. So just give you a little sneak preview. But all right, guys, I guess with that, this is uh, Mike saying goodbye. Bye. See ya. Bye bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, follow us on Instagram at The Boogeyman's Closet, where you can stay up to date with everything we have planned. (laughs) 